Yeah, I realised as well while doing research this time around, I didn't realise you've got a Bachelor of Science in herbal science. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I, did, I didn't, didn't know, didn't know. Yeah, so. prior to that, then I, I got myself, um, yeah, I gained a level six in good manufacturing practices in uh, pharmaceuticals and medical devices. So I know all the ins and outs and the regulatory affairs of uh, the, again, the, high, the high quality production of pharmaceuticals and medical devices. I went from that then into the herbal science. I was like, right, I'm uniquely qualified here now. This is going to be good. For sure, <laughs> for sure, man. I don't know why the Irish uh, government and the, is it the Dali? Is that what you call your parliament? The Dial. The Dial? Dial, yeah. Dial. I like that. <laughs> um, well, yeah, you should be fucking in there. You've literally got the, uh, the accreditation and education for it. These fuckers yeah. going, well, this company has paid me and I say this. Yeah, well, this company paid me and I say this. Yeah, I'll I'll be throwing my hat into the ring come next election, of which there's going to be two this year, uh, local elections and a general election here in Ireland, and I'll be a candidate in both. Ooh, nice. There you go. That's my cold opener tidbit uh, for the new uh, podcast format I'm doing here. So, yeah, awesome. Appreciate that. A bit of insight. Let's uh, Let's jump straight to it and jump in with... I did this last time. I completely forgot how the fuck you would start the point. You wouldn't tell I've done 130 of these. What the hell do I say? Um... I'd be just trying to say out of mind. I was like, what do I say? Oh, yeah, stay blazed. <laughs> it's just one of those things. You have, you have a thing or you build towards the thing naturally anyway. And then yeah, it, it just becomes happened. your thing. And then as soon as you're conscious of it, you're like, what the fuck was the thing? <laughs> okay, try that one again. Take two. <laughs> Yo, how are you going for... No, try that again. Take three. <laughs> Yo, how's it going, folks? Welcome to episode one, two, no fucking hell. See, <laughs> so I've, I've sat here and watched you have all this technical issue on your side and gone, this is fucking easy. I'm going to fly through this recording. At least I know the gremlins are back on your side. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're in my fucking throat at the sounds of it. Can't give me words out, Christ. Uh, all right, and again. I'd, I'd be like this, John. I do interviews and I pre-record them. Mm. I, I would like do the intro. I, I'll I'll pre-record the intro separate to the interview. Mm. I, I could do a hundred takes on an intro. And and just doing what you just done there. Mm. Episode one, fuck, oh, what was it again? And and, and you'll <laughs> fuck that part up like ten times. You'll get that one right, and then you start fucking up the next part. You get the next part right and you mm. fuck up the first part again. <laughs> Like I, I haven't deleted them actually. I'll probably release them sometime. All of these little bl- me fucking up the intros for different people. Like, uh. you should do it. I'll do now in my outro. Uh, cut in between the outro is an outtake from that one. And nine times out of ten, it's exactly that. It's after I've done and I say goodbye to the guest. I'll do the housekeeping. They mm. leave. Uh, often I'll need to go to the, the loo or whatever because I've been dying for a piss for an hour because yeah. we sat for talking for three hours. I'll then come back in. I go, oh, cool. And then yeah, sometimes take half an hour to get two minutes worth of a recording together to just finish it off and feel like, yeah, that was good. That was good. Yeah. Uh, there you go, folks. A little bit of a insight <laughs> into the the solitary um hurdles of being a, a, a podcaster, podcaster <laughs> in the cannabis space. Right. Let's, let's try this again again. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see how much of this I actually leave in when I'm editing this as well. Um right. Yo, how's it going, folks? Welcome to episode one, three, two, 
there's some fingers there. I'm not doing this again. It's episode 132. Um, I hope you're keeping well, guys. Uh, we're getting right the way through January. I know I mentioned last week. Honestly, there's only one more week left. I promise you, February is coming around the corner. It's a leap year. Go do some fucking fun. You've got plenty of time to plan for it. It's a year, that, a day that we don't normally get. So make the, make the most of it. Um, and one thing I suppose to do, you may end up doing at this rate, is dodging the draft if you're in the UK. Uh, I don't know if you've been following the news recently. Uh, conscription has been a buzzword that is trending on various social media platforms because they want to apparently bring the British uh, us lot in, into the field of warfare, which, uh, yeah, fuck off. Fuck off. <laughs> no, not going to happen. Not going to happen. You're so, going to go to war, but you can't have a joint to look after your health. If they give us lot like, guns, it's not the, the people they point us at that we're going to fucking take yeah. down. It's them lot, and they need to recognize that. They can't keep us in a cage for fucking a decade and ruin all social services, all public services, crash the economy, fucking destroy all social progress and class uh, progression, and yeah. then expect us to go fight for this system? No. What's the crack with conscription, actually? I wonder now that so many people have uh, prescriptions for medical cannabis over there now. Like, can you get into the army if you're a medical cannabis prescribee? <laughs> or would you be excluded? This is a very you good like, uh, Trev Coleman, he, he used to be, uh, what would you call him? Uh, and, and, and a civil contractor. Yeah, a civil contractor. He, he worked with the army, basically, yeah? Or yeah. For... Yeah. It does raise an interesting question. Um, oh. It does raise an interesting question, and I'm just going to throw this in because I forgot to do it a second ago. <laughs> as, as you are now hearing, folks, as you are now seeing, if you are watching this, um, today's guest is uh, an Irish cannabis activist. The accent might have given it away there a little bit. Um, who's uh, Sorry, an Irish cannabis activist, advocate, campaigner, uh, and he hosts the Martin's World podcast. How are you doing, Martin? I'm very good. Thanks very much for having me over, Simple Man. It's a absolute pleasure to be here chatting with you and uh, seeing that I'm not the only one who uh, has a little bloopers and messes up things. <laughs> likewise, likewise, this is a very light-hearted, although we're probably going to get us with quite serious topics quite shortly. But yeah, the, the fact that we're both in this space and we know uh, how this shit goes. So yeah, no pressure, no stress. I'm going to enjoy this. Um so yeah, I suppose quickly for anybody that hasn't seen, uh, I will include links below to episode da -da -da, somewhere here, 56, which is, God, it was November 2021 when we last spoke. So um, there'll be more of an intro of, and a bit of background on yourself, but for people that don't know or that haven't yet seen that episode, even though go see it below, um, how did you get involved in the space and sort of what do you do here in the cannabis space? Yeah, I suppose really I'm here not really by choice, um, like, and really even enjoying cannabis like is it is like liking cannabis actually a choice when I when I think about like that like am I here by choice I'm, I'm not like I, I liked cannabis because of my biochemistry my biochemistry is the reason why I'm here when I first used hash at the time which it was I very much enjoyed it it, it, um, it melded well with me um, and it, for me it improved my quality of life Albeit I was quite young at that time, you know, and probably not able to, to make good quality decisions. We still are able to get a, access to good quality soap there. <laughs> Super. Uh, yeah. And um, yeah, it was a couple of years uh, after in kind of having my relationship with Hasha until I finally got caught with it. And that is pretty much why I am here today. And uh, speaking with you is because I got caught then with the Hash mm. um, and that just felt wrong. I just felt violated. It just didn't sit well with me. And as soon as that happened, I, I just 
I just had to write that wrong. Like I couldn't let that be. And and I think a reason for that then as well is just a little bit more background on, on me and a, a person who am. I, I got quite bullied as a young person. Like I, I don't know, is it coming across in the camera? Like, but <clears throat> I'm I'm not like a pasty white Irish boy. Um, I kind of like half cast, got a bit more of a tan, and I got bullied quite a lot because of that when I was growing up. Got caught names and picked on and. I never really stood up for myself as such back then. Um, there, there was even one particular person I'm thinking of now on this occasion, and this guy was smaller than me, and I let him punch me around the place. Like he gave me a few smacks, and I, I didn't even try to hit the guy back or not. It wasn't like I was just kind of trying to block the punches and get away, but mm. I didn't even fight back. And I know if I, I like, I knew if I fought him back that day, I, I would have been able to sit in him, and he wouldn't have been able to do anything. Like I was and heavier than him and everything like but just I know I lacked serious com- confidence like mm-hmm. martial arts then got into the, got into that when I was about 13 got a bit of a backbone and I uh, decided then you know I'm I'm never going to let anybody push me around again and thankfully you know I, I never had to stand up for myself then from like that time until meeting the cops like the, the cops were the next bully I met in my life who I had to stand up against and thankfully, I didn't really have to, to fight him. I actually, maybe I would have preferred if it was just a physical fight. It would be easier than this fucking long, drawn out, complicated legal battle that I've been in for the last, uh, what do I know, in 33, I was 17 when I got caught. So, Jesus, nearly half of my life like that. I was nearly another 17 years. Like, mm. like yeah, that's 16 years ago when I was 17. So, next year, that'll, that'll be half of my life. I've been campaigning against this that's pretty much why I'm, I'm here I, I went up I looked up the Misuse of Drugs Act the law which I was uh, charged under that evening and that brought me to uh, the the 1997 or 1977 when it was put in and I was kind of following that breadcrumbs back along and then you get to the UN and then you get to you go back as far as like America alcohol prohibition and I was just blown away by what I was kind of reading and it's like, mm-hmm. man, this is so bloody wrong. Like, there, there was, there was no justification for it. It was all moral. It was all moral based, much, much like our disdain for uh, people with in same sex relationships. That was all moral based. That, that there was no scientific facts that like, this is bad for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was all complete moral conjecture that oh, being in a gay relationship is going to be bad for society. Society is going to collapse over it. But there was no real scientific data they're backing that up that was just morals and that's very much the same as the, our drug laws mm-hmm. it was all moral based um, people kind of uh, was con- with their condescending views looking down on us so yeah um, so yeah that, that's pretty much why I'm here I got caught with some hash uh, felt violated and stood up for myself campaigned uh, long and hard engaged with the legalised cannabis Ireland campaign back in the day um, graduated to the Students for Sensible Drug Policy. Once I graduated college, then um, we started this podcast, <laughs> The Martin's World. <laughs> nice, nice. Again, yeah, it just, you touched on something there. Um, that's something I, I brought up quite a few times, and I, I often get criticized from some quarters uh, for the analogy, but... I, I agree. I don't think that it is per se a choice in the same way of like f- to eat is a, a necessity. Mm-hmm. What you choose to eat, that is the choice. And I believe that humans, our endocannabinoid systems are deficient. They are starved uh, from a, a loss of it through our diet, through our 
a natural inclinations. I believe it's closer to a vegetable than it is a drug, if anything else. You know, it's a base nutrient that I personally feel is a requisite, uh, a requirement for good health. And this is where the whole thing of like um, uh, homeostasis and this kind of conceptual idea of thinking of how it affects the system and the body. And the analogy that I often use is being queer, be, being gay. It's, it's you under the old parlance, it would have sort of under the old system of being that you, you can be gay, you just can't do anything about it. So you could be like gay in your own home or whatever, but you can't hold your boyfriend's hand on the street, you can't kiss a same-sex person or whatever. And then through progressions, once obviously the law got changed uh, over here in the UK, I can't speak to Ireland. I think of same-sex marriage, I know was like that was 2018, but I think that's as much as I actually know for law changes in terms of uh, Irish law around homosexuality and its, its sort of criminalisation. Um, but this, there was then that growth of progression from that to now to a point of pride. Literally, there is pride celebrations. There is this thing of it's not it's you can be you should be openly proud to be who you are. That is the whole sort of slogan, the whole sense of belonging, and that is what I feel that cannabis needs to go through in terms or as a culture. I believe well, ultimately all drugs, but cannabis in this instance, that we're just getting the first point of acceptance where they're going, oh shit, yeah, it is kind of wrong of us to you know demonize them and criminalize them for just this one aspect. But unlike what they did kind of previous, um, is they're trying to to regulate every other aspect. So I think marriage was one of the only real places, and taxes, I suppose, was the way that they harmed them for years afterwards uh, in kind of the same way of like the end of slavery and then the Jim Crow period in the US in terms of using laws to, oh, no, we've, we've changed the law. We're not per persecuting you anymore, but you've created new laws to do in the same way to do it. And I kind of feel that's what's happening with prescriptions is we're kind of being told that if you want to act that way, you only allowed to act that way how we tell you when we tell you. You know, you're only allowed to, oh, here, here's a piece of paper. Oh. You guys can hold hands now, but make sure you've got your piece of paper. And it just feels so offensive that these bigots, these people that vilified, criminalized us for decades, now suddenly going, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Me and my mates are making loads of money from all these pride flags by our pride flags. Which, I mean, is kind of something that is happening in that space, but obviously I'm using it as an analogy for prescription cannabis and the cultivation sites that most of these politicians uh, are involved in, you know, in some way or another. Yeah, yeah no, you're, you're dead right. Um, it, it's just, it's the hypocrisy is, uh, it's, it's crazy, because I, I have a few politicians here much like uh, you have over there, and when it comes to the prides, you know, they're, they're all out there with the pride, but I can't help but call them out. For that, and and like you said, it like I, I've I've been shamed because of pointing out this similarity and uh, between these two different communities and how they were oppressed and how one now is championed and you know they're so brave for coming out and being prideful and all of that, but we're still no get back in your box. You're a dirty drug addict, and you know you shouldn't be doing that. Like you know, and as I said, it's it's not real for many many people. It's not a choice. It really isn't a choice much like being gay isn't a choice and I think that's something that people need to understand um, and I'll, I'll be ridiculed probably for saying that again and so what it's it's how I feel it's it's my experience um, and I, I can't tell it any other way. Yeah I 100% agree and I think it's even if it was a choice so what it's my choice. Again, if I have the choice right now to go and buy five bottles of whiskey from Tesco, sit here on this this podcast and drink myself to death in front of you and an and audience, obviously that'd be fucking atrocious and horrible and traumatizing, but I have the mm -hmm. lawful right to fucking do that. Do, yeah. do you know what I mean? I can literally go and buy and eat like seven p fucking takeaway pizzas a day and eat myself to death. I could 
but eat bags of sugar. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's so many things. And all I could do is then go into the doctor and the doctor would be like, this isn't really good for your health. You know, mm. it's, it's ridiculous. And then when you compare it to alcohol, and we all have the lie. I mean, I, I don't because I don't fucking drink. I'll drink maybe five units a year, if that. You know what I mean? Well, but yeah. people are going to their doctors and the doc's like, oh, how much alcohol are you drinking? And they go, oh, you know, doctor, just uh, eight units a week for me, doctor. And the doctor <laughs> goes, oh, me too, me too. Ha, ha, ha. It's just, we need to fucking be transparent with this shit because if you want to drink a thousand units a week, I'm for you doing that. I'm also for you having better access to services to understand why you're doing that. But your prerogative as an adult is you can do that. Ergo, you should be able to. Yeah. It it makes the world maybe potentially a, a more disjointed, chaotic reality. But I believe that once we move through that kind of uh, intermittent period, the humans would settle down. The, the once we were actually able to accept each other's shit, instead of this, just we have this thing now of like, it used to just be your public life and your your private life, or like your work persona and your private persona. But now it's like your work persona, your private persona, your online persona, and then your own fucking egoic imagined thing that you think you are. And we're trying to spin all these plates of these illusions and we're losing ourselves in the interim. And I think this is why cannabis psychedelics or classic entheogens are becoming so popular again because these compounds they almost violently reconnect us to ourselves yep. do you know what i mean everyone's had that experience of smoking that one too much and you're like shit and you're thinking <laughs> thinking about everything that you could ever think of and it may seem like a difficult experience but that's part of life the the avoidance of the feelings of these negative things these difficult aspects of being uh, deny you a better understanding of what it is to be alive, to be yourself, and to actually enjoy joy. You know, you need darkness to experience the light, and the same is true with you know emotions and this full spectrum of human experience. Yeah. Uh, right. Let's jump into. Da -da 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 -da. Uh, yeah, let's chat about some po uh, some podcasting. Um, it's good to see, obviously, you do 420 News as well, uh, which is, as you were saying, I can't remember how eloquently you described it before. <laughs> uh, was you ch chatting shit by yourself or a so solo talk shit? Running run, run solo, uh, ranting and raving. <laughs> that's, that's what, talk shit's my language, but ranting yeah. and raving's the Irish version, I guess, of talking shit. So, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, and you obviously do. I, I highlighted that, that show for me, though, is the Hotbox. I know I say run solo, but to be fair, uh, for a majority of the show, I'm, I'm talking shit with the people in the hot box. Uh, so there's like a little green box in the corner. It's called the hot box. And that's where all the audience, uh, their chat rolls up and streams through. So as I'm kind of going through my news piece, there's lots of chat coming in through. And then I'll, I'll finish off a news piece. So I'll go back and I'll read through their chat, what's going on. And and you could be there for like 10 or 15 minutes just having a crack with everybody in the hot box uh, chatting shit. Be chatting something completely different to what the news actually was because, you know, like in somebody in the audience might have, I don't know, they got a new bong or something or a new tie and yeah, they're all talking about that and, you know, stoners and tangents, man. Hundred percent, hundred But again, it's, we, so I think it's a wonderful thing of what uh, we do in this space of, we're not trying to get, oh, is a hundred thousand of this, a million of this, the, the numbers are irrelevant, any monetization is irrelevant. Me and, 
yeah, YouTube are having a current fight about monetization. I've been for six months. I keep reapplying for AdSense and they keep going oh. to me. Oh, something has happened. There's something oh, wrong with the website link. And I'm like, okay. They demonetized me straight up uh, for, uh, for violating our community standards. And when I looked into it, it was uh, my, my uh, show was seen to be promoting drugs. Um, I, I didn't even bother appealing it, to be fair. I was just kind of like, you know what? Them. I don't really. I didn't really need our monetization. It was it was a handy tool to have there for people if they wanted to support the show and everything. But uh, to be fair, YouTubers making more money off it than me half the bloody time. Really, when I when I was thinking about this, I, I kind of felt mm -hmm. bad. People were like doing the super chats, but it was cool to have it there as an option because people liked engaging that way and supporting the show. And, and like convenience, I suppose was was the word there. But like, if people still wanted to support my show and whatever, it's like, yeah, the Martin's World uh, has a PayPal. Martin's World has a Patreon. It's mm -hmm. like I don't need YouTube and their fucking monetization. All right, it's it's a bit of a bummer because they they seem to like the, the shadow ban. Yeah, like you, you don't pop up in the features. You're not going to pop up on a homepage. The only exactly. people who are going to find you are people who've been sent the link to your show. Uh, yeah. Are people who even follow your show, and even then. There's like a limit as to how many people will be notified when you go live. You know, I have what, yeah. 2,000 subscribers or something like that over there on, on the Martin's World uh, YouTube channel. And I'll consistently get about 30, 40 people and it's the same people will be checking back in. Um, but you're, you're not getting a whole lot of exposure there to new people. Um, and look, I'm, I, I'm okay. I'm I like... I'm accepting of that. It's outside of my control. Mm -hmm. It's like, what can I do about it? Fuck it. I still got a platform yeah. where I can get my video up there. I still got a community that's generated. And as I said, 30, 40 strong. That's that's better than what I was when I wasn't doing this, which was just, just kind of me and a couple of others, you know, a small little uh, group of us. But since doing this, the community has grown 30, 40 strong, which is the, the regular turnover of the guests, uh, of the audience, sorry. But then we have a Telegram group that's uh, started up off the back of it, and that's the twenty four seven hotbox, and it's just literally a place to go if you're sitting, if you're going to go out and have a smoke, and you're sitting down in your Todd, and rather than doom scrolling on Facebook or whatever, you got mm -hmm. the twenty four seven hotbox. Throw a picture of your doobie in there. Let us know what strain you're you're, you're smoking, and the conversation just starts flowing, you yes. know, and, and it's great, you know, and people have found uh, friends in there, you know, people living nearby to them that they didn't even know. And now they're they're meeting up and going for talks. Uh, there was a relationship started uh, through my show, and it's still ongoing. That's like one of my proudest achievements, I'd imagine. Yeah, nice. <laughs> it wasn't even like it, it just happened naturally, <laughs> which is amazing. Um, and an amazing powerhouse couple mm. as well. Two fucking top-notch growers. Like it's nice. <laughs> oh, that's that's lush, man. Exactly. That's it's what it's about. It's creating that community. It's creating that space for people to find the others in the terms yeah. what Kenner always used to say and to, to connect each other and to not feel so fucking alone yeah, as exactly. we do, as they want us to do. And that's exactly what I was saying about the, the reason I'm fighting with YouTube is to, I don't give a shit about the money. It's effectively blood money as it were anyway. Um, mm. What I want is exactly that is that is them to have an incentive to push my videos. Yeah. Right now there is no adverts running associated to it. So therefore there isn't an incentive as you say to push it. I have been playing with shorts recently but i have just been bitten today in a weird way that i didn't think about um so i got like dislike bombed on a short um what? and it's because it pushed it out obviously beyond 
our little space of cannabis and drug positive people. So then yeah. it's hit, hit a lot of people that are scrolling through shorts. And then I come flying on the screen and go, Oh, fucking something about drug testing. The drug should be tested, you know, and fuck YouTube. And, um, <laughs> which is weird. Yeah. Literally I, I titled it like something terms of service violation and like link restriction. And it's just me ranting, cut up a podcast, me ranting for like 30, 40 seconds. And it's the bumped it. It's got like, I think several, several hundred fucking views or whatever. And most of them are outside of my network when he shows me, like, in the analytics. Um, but, yeah, loads of people, obviously, have looked, oh, I'm fucking drugs, drugs on the internet, no. Don't like. <laughs> yeah, so I had to really check my ego and go, oh, oh, that's down to, like, 40% likes. I've never seen that get that low before. What is happening? And I'm like, ah, oh, this is good. This means I'm being exposed to a larger space. Criticism is good. I just wish I knew what they didn't like, so I kind of have that conversation. And, again, I suppose that's my own ego. Um Mm. But, but yeah, as you say, it's, I just want, and this is what I was kind of hopeful about, uh, Burner's social club, you know, which kind of just social club app pitted off, you know what I mean? Or, or that, that was a fucking mess of an app. <laughs> we, we shouldn't have to create our own spaces. We should be welcomed in others. We should be allowed our own safe spaces. Again, to go back to our earlier analogy of say like gay bars or whatever, um, and ultimately, it's the same as like most cities you go in in the UK. The best bars are the gay bars. They're yeah. the most cultured bars. They're the ones with the most fucking up to date fucking music and actual representations of the collective culture. Yeah, no, it's um, true. And it, it's all hard for us to define or even create a community. Like, uh, yeah, on Facebook, there was this group. Um, it was for fucking some Nintendo game. And I can remember reading an article about it, but the group got shut down. And why it got shut down is because in the game, you trade stuff. And you can make you can make trades, and they were able to trade herbs. So on the Facebook chat group, there was people in chat, and they were like, "Oh, can somebody trade me these herbs, and I'll give you this much coins and whatever." Facebook shut them down because they were thought they were drug dealing, thought they were selling fucking herbs, weed. Like that's what they thought they were, and they completely shut them down. And like they had nothing to do with cannabis, like so. But like, but this is how difficult it is if you, if you were to be about cannabis. Man, they're, they're looking for us, man. They're, they're out there with the guillotine and they just want to take our head off and, and you know, mm -hmm. kill it before it grows, as, you know, Bob Marley says. Yeah. Um, it's it it's, it it's, and it's, that's what they're doing to us. <clears throat> it's interesting that, I mean, I've been looking around at certain things and cannabis seems to be one of the most uh, suppressed words on some modern social media platforms at the minute. Um, yeah. obviously there is on Facebook for years. Yeah. It's, it, it's in most of the titles of my videos and whatever else I'm not going to put like weed, you can put weed and it's not because it, weed has other connections. Whereas cannabis is literally the fucking name for it. All oh. of the things. It's not the colloquial language or a fucking a term like ganja or whatever from another, from another language. Which are appointed to it by carelessness fucking like all those years ago. Exactly. 1773 or something. 53, I think. Yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> 1773 was something happened in the US. Was it the draft? No, it wasn't the drafting of the declaration. There was something happened around that area that is relevant to cannabis. And I think it's it's related to the fact that the first draft was on cannabis, but not the final draft, I believe. Um yeah, it's 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 mental. Um so in I've been putting in my own subtitles again, accessibility for my clips and whatever else, and I'm going like, no, that's I'm putting the word cannabis. Because yeah. that, that's the fucking word. And I'm literally looking at it going, well, this is going to be limited to how much exposure it can get. But it's authentic and it's real. And I don't want people that don't know why we're having to lie and don't get it to never get the truth, to never get exposed to it. Because we can all go, yeah, we know why we're saying unalived 
which makes me fucking want to unalive. <laughs> That's a joke, obviously. But you, you know what I mean? This, whereas the future generations of kids, man, words like, and this is going to get me fucking suppressed, rape, suicide, murder, death. These words are heavy for a fucking reason. They hit your ear and they fall into your soul because they're meant oh. to. They're fucking meant to. These are things yeah. that are meant to connect you. Like you can't just be like, la, 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 everything's Disney and let's go through it. No, fuck off. And I understand content creators going, oh, well, it affects my monetization. And again, it feels like within you're exploiting something. You're lying to your audience. You're in some way manipulating people so you can make fucking money. How is that not immoral? I, I just, yeah. That's going to get me some hate. A lot of people give me black when I go on about that. Because again, it's, I call it like the TikTokification of language. And it's, yeah, people hit back at me, go, oh, language always changes and blah, blah, blah. And it's, it's usually an organic formation that's moved colloquially, collectively through our everyday parlance, the way we speak to each other, into then structured language, often through the dictionary or whatever, going, oh, that's our word now, boom. Now it's a formal English word. But then there's so much other uh, language that, that we use that isn't codified in the same way, so it isn't legitimate, as it were, that we use, as, like, we, I grew up saying sick. Do you know, as a skater kid, like, oh, it's sick. And I still do. I still call everybody man, even if you're a woman. I can't help it. You're just hu human man. That's just the way it comes out of me, you know? Still call a lot of people dude. Uh, again, man or fucking woman. There's just, I'm locked into like a surface stoner, uh, surface stoner skater kind of verbiage. Um, but yeah. Term, our boy is the thing, like, you know, everybody is by. Girls are boys, you know. Right, bye. <laughs> yeah, I was, yeah. I call call big people brother and things like that. It's just the certain sort of things that get sort of locked in, but they 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 often come through organic expressions of a community. And so there's there's words like say slay. Slayers is a term that's come into the major collective parlance that we're all using from queer culture. Things like woke. Woke came from black culture in America. And so there's these terms, they're not just words, they're, they're constructs, they're ideas. The word is the point by which it penetrates the bubble of social awareness um, and brings that idea. It almost impregnates the culture with this idea so it can, you know, ch chest it, just gestate is what I'm trying to say there and a chest it I'm thinking of an alien where it fucking jumps through John Hurt's chest there um yeah and so if we then can't say cannabis we can't that's like they've taken our point away we can't break into those conversations yeah. we have to go then oh medical cannabis and yeah. go, oh oh you're one of us you've got the magic bit of paper and you can afford it and whatever that means you're at least this class so we don't have to think of you as a druggie and we can keep calling them ones the bad guys and we can point at them as the villains or the cockroach in the scarface and where it's yeah yeah mental uh, you, you, you mentioned the pubs there uh, a bit earlier <clears throat> there was an ad that went uh, viral here uh, during Christmas uh, and it was like a, I think it was like fucking a cheap made iPhone ad about from a, a local pub I don't know it was up the country somewhere and it featured basically this old man and he was going down laying flowers on uh, the grave of his wife and like it was pure emotional thing kind of Christmas ad and played in the heartstrings of people and uh, as the ad progresses he goes walks down the road and he's greeted at the local pub and he goes in and he meets up with people there and he orders a pint and he sits down at the table and he has job socialising and whatever and then the ad finishes you know and it was actually just an ad for the pub and it was highlighting you know the importance of the pub in the community and the role it plays and people go there to meet and socialise you know and it's it's like it's important because we we look after each other like we're we're, we're social beings mm -hmm. like we need a community we need a sense of community we need to feel like we belong 
and like a, a pub is a place where people kind of get that, I suppose. But us as cannabis consumers, look, we, we, we don't have that. Like we're, we're locked out of that. Um, so that that ad got me thinking like uh, very much about that, you know, because as cannabis consumers, I know many of us will just stay at home. You know, you'll get your bag of weed and you'll go home, you'll smoke, you'll mm. smoke in a small little circle. Whereas like, you know, I was thinking of that ad with the, the old man, you know, if, if he was the like his small little circle's probably all dead and gone. Mm-hmm. You know, he's at the grave burying his wife. Where do you, where do you go if you're a cannabis consumer and all, all your your smoking buddies are then gone? You, you you don't have a little local spot you can go down and pick up a bud and and meet mm-hmm. some new buds. You know what I mean? Like we we're we're excluded from that, and that's that's just wrong. You know, it's uh, mm-hmm. it's I don't know. It's a, it's again, it just doesn't sit right with me. Obviously, so uh, much like being excluded wouldn't sit right for people who are gay, you know, or yeah. much like, uh, you know, other fucking communities who are uh, downtrodden there in, in the past because of different fucking uh, views and opinions of those in power. And and that's very much it. Like, you know, even, even fucking slavery, when you think about it, like, you know, it was moralistic, kind of driven, oh, we're better than them. Morally, I should look at them like they're, they're, Savages. Well, it's, it's, yeah, it was a, a, a full moralizing and a, a legitimate justification yeah. of it. I mean, you look at uh, fucking Huxley's interpretation of Darwin and what was it the social Darwinism that led to like eugenics, and they literally like these Brits had it was, uh, when okay, uh, con- yeah. contentious to my Irish listeners here. Sorry, for, but when Britain and Ireland were kind of merged as one fuck fuck state, I think that's a good way to describe it. Yeah. Um, basically people like fucking William O'Shaughnessy and whatever else would fucking, yeah. they'd come from a prominent family. They'd go, oh, well, you get sent to this place, to this place, and then they'd send you off to one of the colonies or whatever. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not saying O'Shaughnessy, but people of his era no. were sent, and they were literally like measuring craniums and, and space between eyes and genitalia, very, very obsessive about taints and genitalia yeah. and all kinds of weird fucking shit. And they used that as justification. Oh, well, according to our data, that they've, fucking made out of nothing effectively <laughs> they took all the numbers and fucking fabricated most of it anyway to fit a narrative that they pre pre-subscribed which was <laughs> uh, that looks different to me i must be better it's just a, a, men- a fucking ridiculous mentality and that through the fucking ages has meant that um it's still those kind of people and that kind of mentality that is still leading this they are still morally justified or for morals I suppose, because it isn't righteously moral. That's what, do you know what I mean? Uh, they're, they're for morally justifying the war on drugs as I'm saving you. So yeah. mine, when that cop arrested you, he was saving you from a lifetime of drug abuse and of, you know, fucking, you know, you could have ended up on the needle. You could have ended up huffing the glue. You could have ended up doing the other fucking shit that I'm trying to sound hyperbole about, you know what I mean? Oh, you're right. Like, look, look how the priests save the Canadian native children, you know, from... The barbar- barbaric lives that they were living, you know, they saved them. Wait, that shit only stopped. Much, much like, 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 you know, fucking your, your British it. government is saving Gary Hughes right now, you know, and, and it's going to release him in a few weeks because, you know, they're, they're saving so many people inside in there that they're, they're running out of room for them. Aren't we yeah. so lucky to have such a caring government to save us like that? Yeah, it's, it's, it's <laughs> fucking. The Canadian thing with the kids is mental because that only stopped like 40, 50 years ago, something yeah. like that. It was like the fucking eight, the 80s. And there's been, again, contentious to some of my Irish listeners here, uh, some interesting finds, obviously, of like mass graves of, yeah. of, of children that were taken from unwed teenage mothers and yeah. were 
adopted massive air quotes for my listeners there that can't see yeah. this. Flush, and flush and, and basically, they were considered to be not human, not fully human. They, they, I don't want to speak for them, but effectively didn't have a soul. They weren't seen yeah. as being one of God's children. Uh, it's, it's yeah, it's these practices. Ba- it, bastards, like that's what they would have viewed them as bastard kids. Like, is there are kids out of wedlock without a dad, you know? Like, I, I think ambassador is very much as I'm a Game of Thrones fan. <laughs> yeah, well, again, a legitimate term that is lost to us. You know, there's, there's a, is, was there a Simpsons episode back in the 90s where I think Bart says bastard and bitch? And it wasn't bastard, it was bitch, though. He, de- he said bitch, and it was like, what? And it was like, well, it's a female dog. It's the technical term. <laughs> and they got through the senses with it on primetime because it was the correct usage of the word. Yeah. Obviously, the joke was that it was, you know, the double entendre, as it were. Um, but there's, there's quite a few things like that that, again, to go back to our earlier point of censorship of language that we're losing without that, how can we communicate with ourselves, with each other now? And how does that affect the next, like I said, the next generation or as the native tribes in the first world nations would, they think seven generations and beyond? Those kids will never be able to understand us. The content and stuff that we're producing now may as well be in hieroglyphics by the time that your grandkids and their grandkids are, are looking at this. You know, we all say that, oh, we're the most photographed and documented generation ever. And because compared to, say, the 1900s, you're know, like, yeah, handfuls of photographs and whatever else, but most of them degraded due to the technology. But if we can maintain our hard drives or whatever, technically all of our shit's forever. And it just, I don't know, there's, there's something that it isn't sitting right with me that they feel they're deliberately wedging and using the technology to break apart the generations to break the groups so that again we can't sit and go because i guarantee you that 60 70 year old i'm assuming from the alcohol ad that you were speaking of that if they were a lifelong cannabis consumer and most of them were the compact compatriots passed on uh there's a euphemism for you for death <laughs> uh which again is a polite euphemism we're all used to why the fuck don't we use the ones we've already got they died um, yeah, he, he's got me the big man, you know what I mean? He's popped his clogs, which I always found to be an interesting one. I'm sure that's got to come from Dutch, but it probably does. It probably would. It'll be something the English invented as a fuck you to the Dutch or something in the 1600s, and there'll be some real contentious racist history to it. The same with every fucking thing else. Um, but yeah, it's we need to be able to communicate with each other. This is why, again, I think what we do is so important for all, whether it's to 10 people, a thousand people, or a million. We're creating authentic conversations between people who are passionately driven. We're not here for awards or to pose. Like I'm the same as you. Like I hit a wall of going, wait, you're telling me I can't? Fuck you. And I've been saying fuck you for decades and I ain't going to stop. I will die or we will win. It's that sim- it is that simple. And every week, as I was saying to Uncle Kush, my guest from, I think, last week, um, uh, he's a, a cannabis uh, podcaster from uh, Holland, is that regardless of what they do with the censorship and the restrictions and the language barriers and everything else, people like us, we find each other. People like the audience, like I said, they find each other. People in your Telegram group, there is something that we're drawn to. And I think ultimately these pubs, I don't know what the state of affairs is in Ireland, but lots, lots of pubs. I mean, we've lost a third, over a third, I think, uh, when I last looked at the statistics. No, it was a, a roundup saying a third, so actually... Closing down, like... Some, somewhere around that, a third of night nightclubs, like night venues, have gone since COVID. A third fucking gone. And we're on our way to fucking half of them being just obliterated. Pubs, pubs were shutting at 22 a week before COVID. 
and many of them got fucked over since. And that C word's going to get us even more restricted on this goddamn platform. Um, but yeah, I think the pubs could be safe by us a lot. They need to recognize, yeah, safe Friday, Saturday, maybe Sunday, depending if it's a bank holiday, alcohol nights. The rest of the week, cannabis spot. You've already got the toilets, you've already got the kitchens, you've already got fucking access to wholesale uh, snacks and, and non-alcoholic fucking drinks or whatever. Uh, you've got pool tables, dartboards, jukeboxes, entertainment systems, smoking areas outside. You've got all of the spacing for it. And it, then my next thing after that would then be, you'd have ones for MDMA. Do you know, then you'd have ones for whatever else. A lot of the, the nightlife that we've lost in the UK now was built on the MDMA revolution of the late 80s, early 90s. Because all of these huge fucking rave spots, there were, there were nightclubs and whatever else, that were just outside of city centres or on the edges or like those big industrial spots. Um, they started losing loads of money to free parties. And they then switched it all up and they went, all right, we'll start charging a bigger cover charge. We'll give away free water. We know we're not going to make shit on the fucking drinks, but we'll search them for drugs and then we'll sell them drugs when they're inside. Winner. <laughs> and that's all we need is just license and regulate that a bit better in a way that it should be done. So if you see somebody struggling on a night out with a substance, you would have somebody trained and aware and capable of how to fucking deal with that. You wouldn't have to call in the police or a bouncer to throw them out or them, leave them in a vulnerable state. People are going to take drugs. Yep. For as far back as we are finding evidence of humans, guess what? We're finding evidence of drug use. It's just innate in us to alter our consciousness, to play with the sense of being. Like it starts as kids when we spin around. We, uh, we call it in the North Dizzy Ducks. You know, when you spin as a child until you literally want to vomit. Like, my, my young fellas are mad into that now at the moment. That's how he dances. He puts on some a decent tune and he, he'll just run in circles. He'll grab me and make me go around until fucking I get dizzy way quicker than him. Like, mm -hmm. go crack. I, until, you get, dizzy. <laughs> until you pass puberty, there's a... God, this is all biology that I can't quite pull on my ass. There's something in the brain that as you go through pu puberty, you you can you start to get dizzy from spinning, basically. And so prior to that, the neurological response is effectively to increase serotonin and dopamine. You are biohacking yourself. So you're spinning and your neurohormones are increasing. And so okay. you're, getting, you're getting hyper and happy from the activity and then even just being active. It's yeah. I, th I think the mechanism is that you're, you're more active as a... As a an imperative to train the body when you're younger. So you want to fall and get up and run and, and you, so all your muscle groups and all your joints and everything has an opportunity to really, well, until we got iPads, uh, an opportunity to really develop properly and give you that best chance into adolescence, you know? Yeah, I know. That's uh, yeah, kind of what I see in himself. All right, yeah. Bag of bundle of energy. <laughs> that's, that's good, though. Again, there's so many parents that want to shut that shit down. It's like... Let them let them understand it. Let them maximize it. It's you. You have to know where your boundaries are as a person, and, and to understand that they change to not get locked in. Otherwise, we end up with uh, let's call it baby elephant syndrome, which is I don't know if you you've seen how they train or they used to train elephants. Come in and the small big when, when they're big they realize that they're still stuck but they're not basically yeah they, they peg them peg them into the ground with a just a fucking stake when they're small but in a way that they can't then pull at it and like yeah. you say it, it conditions them over time that when they see the peg they go well i can't get out so you could literally like throw the horses they do the same with when you break a horse it's like well, i see the rope I, I can't i can't do anything and it's we don't want to end up conditioning a, those that generation because again if, if all they can believe and see is whatever the screen says when you and I, in our archaic language of death and murder and whatever else, tries to speak to them, they're going to be like, Pfft. 
do you know what I mean? And it, I just feel like, and I know actually my my mother probably felt that way when I was living at home and was like, why do you talk this fucking way? <laughs> but I guess there was always still an attempt to try to understand the other, to not just vilify them. Whereas Gen Z and Gen Alpha are the reason everything's wrong in the world. Oh, fuck are the boomers. And it's like, wait, we all fucking it, man. We're all responsible yeah. for this shit. <laughs> uh, I, I work with a fellow at the moment and he, he'd be mad on about like, oh, the young generation, they're lazy, they can't do anything. And you know, they're, they're, they're this and they're that. And I'm just kind of like, and she was like, do you ever have a look at your own generation? Like, and kind of what you've done. Like this guy's in his fifties now or whatever. Mm. Kind of like successive governments who've just fucking rode the country into the ground, and here you are giving out about kids and their fucking iPads. And it's like, what were you doing over those fucking few years? Mm. Like, you know, uh, acting all high and mighty because fucking you're holding down a job for the last whatever amount of years. Like, you know, but <laughs> it's, it's a false supremacy. It, it is. It's again, it's just an unchecked ego. And it's actually what is happening is the older you get, and I say this now, I'm going to be 36 this year. And I have to keep constantly checking myself. And when I look through the nostalgic rose-tinted filter back in a, to my longer past, and I go, oh, all these things. And I'm like, yeah, but really? Check that a second. Let's actually check what you think, you know what I mean? And, and rather than just infantilizing your own existence and constantly creating your own narrative, as your ego is bound to do, dependent on the stimuli and environment that you're, you're exposed to, um, having to be like, well, no, there was negatives. There was issues to this and i was an idiot and i did fucking things wrong i have you know fucked up relationships i have acted ridiculous you know i have fucking drank too much taken too many drugs in public i probably made an ass of myself a few times in the past you know what i mean um but you have to have that humility like somebody that i, I respect who's you know got a doctorate um and works in the field kind of said to me oh the, the youth and their drug use today they need to blah, blah. and i went i know for a fact that you take a lot of MDMA and they used to do a lot of the fucking rave scene and you're of that generation. You cannot sit in the kind of went, ah, shit, yeah. And there is this, I think, they call it, you know, that like conservativization as you get older, um, that we naturally are supposed to get more conservative as you get older, more right-wing, more kind of like, no, keep everything the way it is. I think our generation, like the the younger millennials, millennials are the first to kind of break away from that because we saw the analog to the digital revolution. Like we saw that transitory space and the acceleration and them immediately slammed the brakes on it. Yeah. Like we had, and again, this probably isn't a good thing, but like rotten.com. Uh, oh, yeah, and man. Shit, oh, do, like pranking your yeah. mates by going, oh, oh, check out penisland.com. Do you know, and all these other fucking ridiculous shit that we did. It was just free. Look at blue, blue waffle. Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, all of these things that we get. This is going to get us more, even more sense of these terms. <laughs> But just this stupid, it was kind of a wild west. And yeah, you saw some horrific shit. You know, there was like two girls, one cup, and like the, the bottle guy. And there was like all, you know, like the snuff yeah. films and also the horrific shit on the internet. But I'd still kind of rather that in a way because we kind of then you'd see and go, fuck, and you wouldn't want it. Did you know what I mean? Because it was there, you could choose not to kind of access it. Whereas yeah, now it's ca- kind of... Right. <laughs> I spent a lot of time in Rotten.com. <laughs> or like fucking... Rotten.com was another one. <laughs> like, li- live leak and sites like this and just... Because it's it's unfiltered humanity in a way. It's the shit yeah. that, that you don't see offline. And that's what o- online was to us at uh, first. Like, it was the things we couldn't do online. They're a fucked up creature. Like, you, know, you really think about it, right? Like, murder documentaries and shit. Like, uh, these things are like fucking well... High, high ratings. We're a weird creature, man. We're interested in these kind of like very 
graphic, gory type of stuff. Like, you know, these kind of, uh, like, you, you look at, like, man, what, what's a famous thing here in the UK? Like, that fucking drama, man. My, my parents, those soaps that they'd be watching, Emmerdale and Carnation Street and EastEnders, like, and... And it's just drama. So it's literally people fighting, people their problems. Like, why, why do we watch this shit? Like, it's like, why are we interested? In this? It's such a like. My mom used to watch all of that stuff. Like, and it's, we're just a weird creature, like. So whether you're into fucking Carnation Street or EastEnders, or whether you like watching fucking looking up for beheaded videos, like it's all just it's 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 just as weird, all of it. <laughs> yeah, I think this the kind of just neutral curiosity that I think is innate in all humans but then there's also i guess a paradigm of uh i cannot remember the toxin that is given off in cat piss that attracts mice so oh, the, the oh, thing yes. cat, and so there's almost i feel that like a, i feel like there's a kind of cultural neurological um virus that's kind of similar to that that the more insecure the human feels the more we need to look at the things that scare us. So the, the the mice in this thing, they get them in a threat and they become obsessed with the cats and they'll study the cats, they'll spend time around the cats. And the scientists are saying, oh, they're kind of hypnotized to it in one one theory. And another one is that it's, it's such a heightened sense of terror of these beings that the, the creatures are effectively seeking them out to learn how to not be killed by the thing. And I think that if we're living in this digital world with our black mirrors in our hands and everything is turned up to 11 in terms of news, politics, all the fucking negative of the world, that we then seek out the things that aren't being shown to us more as a way of kind of trying to reassure ourselves of going, no, there isn't something that everybody else is doing and knows that I don't. And I think that's the feeling is more so as people are aware of a grand lie but no one can quite point it out. No one can quite say it, but they're like nothing. The more we accelerate into this digital world, the less anything really makes sense. And I think so the more people are, are looking around into these other areas to try and, you know, find a foundation to kind of, to stand on and, and, and build an understanding of the world because it, it's just all seemingly so fucked up. <laughs> right now. Yes, definitely. Yeah, with increasing acceleration as well, it would seem. Um, let's jump into what's happening in Ireland with cannabis, because this, uh, depending on when people are seeing um, this, they will be seeing this actually before the vote. Wait, I don't, I don't, you guys might be seeing this in a year, two years, ten years for all I fucking know. <laughs> I'll have probably been deleted from the internet by then. Um, but yeah, next week there is a vote in the Dal. Doyle, yeah, yeah. Doyle. Yeah. I can't, it's the, I'm reading it in my head. It's, D, it's D-A-L-I, isn't it? But there's an accent. Where's yeah, the accent? L. So the I-Fada <laughs> kind of gives it, uh, yeah, but the A-I-Fada, yeah, gives it an R sound, like, you know, so Doyle. It's kind of like y'all, but Doyle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was... I'm gonna, I'm gonna, yeah, I'll keep trying, I'll keep trying. Um... Anyway, that's not the thing. You're not here to teach me how to say this 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 word. Um, <laughs> Semantics. <laughs> for, 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 for people that don't know about the Citizens' Assembly um, and sort of everything that's been going on, I suppose, since last time we spoke, could you give us a bit of uh, insight into, you know, what, what's yeah, the crack? Yeah, there's been a lot. So like, I'll go back even a little bit further because I believe since we last spoke, I've actually went up and I presented myself to the government, um, to the Justice Committee, 
Um, so I don't believe we spoke since then. So myself and Kenny Tynan, both of us were, Kenny has since stepped back, but uh, we were directors uh, of Patients for Safe Access. And we got invited up to make a submission uh, presentation, actually, to the uh, the Justice Committee. Um, the Justice for Committee, the Justice Committee were looking at the uh, the consequences, the the negative consequences, or something along those lines of uh, criminal sanctions for personal possession of drugs. So we made a submission, and based upon our submission, they got us up to make a presentation, and. Uh, we went up there, myself, Kenny, we presented for Patients for Safe Access. Uh, we had uh, Brendan, who was there representing another Irish cannabis uh, legalisation group, uh, CRON, uh, the Irish for Trees. So a little uh, kind of innuendo there for, uh, you know, I think it's the famous Reddit group actually it was Trees, but it was like a cannabis group, but they called yeah. it Trees to kind of hide it. Mm-hmm. So then they made the Irish version just under CRON, which is the Irish word for Trees, as I yeah. said. So th- those were two pro-cannabis groups presenting. Um, then we had uh, a Portuguese presenter as well, um, Nundo. Uh, Prapa, I'm, I'm forgetting the, the guy's title now um, and his uh, job position, but he was over in Portugal. He's working uh, kind of within the drugs uh, scene over there. Um, I believe in the ham reduction side or the policy side, but he presented as well, kind of given the, the Portuguese side of it. Um and then we had a Cannabis Risk Alliance who were there and they were the only group that were actually there um, uh, given a negative argument uh, kind of in support of prohibition, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, we actually had a doctor there as well, an addiction doctor, Dr. Garrett McGovern, and he again was making a, a positive argument towards, you know, um, changing this, the, the criminal sanctions for personal drugs possessions, just unjustified. Based upon the presentations given that day, and that com- that justice committee was actually made up of representatives of all the uh, political parties in the country at that time. The only one who was actually absent, I believe, was a representative from Sinn Féin. They were listed to be there on the day, but they were actually just missing for whatever reason, I believe. Mm. Um, but that committee made 22 recommendations, which were published on the 14th of December uh, 2022. Um, so in 2022, the, the 14th of December, they published these uh, recommendations. The very first recommendation acknowledged the harms done and the ineffectiveness of uh, criminalizing people for personal drugs possession and basically called for a different approach that this was not effective. That was the very first recommendation. There was 22 other recommendations. Like it, the, the recommendations absolutely blew our minds. It went miles beyond what we were expecting as uh, as contributors to it. We were thinking at best, you know, we were going to see a recommendation there towards, you know, uh, decriminalise the possession or something like that. Something, you know, a little lighthearted, whatever, like, but they really went above and beyond with their recommendations. They went on to talk about um, social clubs, but not, not just for cannabis. They, they talked about plant-based drugs. There was one TD there at this uh, on this justice committee and kind of off camera when we were talking in the background. He was very interested in a conversation about plant-based drugs, the mushrooms, you know, uh, DMT, ayahuasca, stuff along those lines. He was very interested in that. And this guy was from one of the main parties. Um, don't really want to out the guy uh, because I suppose it was a bit of a private conversation we were having, but I, I, it's mm-hmm. totally unexpected where it came from. It just left the field. I was just tightened away by it. Um, so 22 recommendations from them, absolutely amazing recommendations, but the government did absolutely nodding on it. Um, a lot of what was being said is wait for the citizens assembly. 
that's pretty much kind of what was being said since December last year. So as campaigners, you know, and being patient as well, you know, we, we were kind of really pushing the government to be like, look, do something about these recommendations. But at the same time, we were kind of, hopefully this fucking Citizens Assembly will be the, the silver bullet we need once and for all to take this fucking monstrous prohibition out. Um, but like, that's come and gone now, the Citizens Assembly. So that started in June. I went on for six months, so it would happen over a weekend, one weekend every month for six months, finishing in, uh, I think it finished in like October or something like that. Um, it, it was a very positive finish to it in a sense. I, I would say very positive just because, look, I, I want to try to be, put a positive spin on it. Cannabis legalization, it lost out by one vote, which, you know, we, we were really upset by it, but that's still like it only lost out by one vote it was so close but what what did win the vote that did win and it won for all of them and that was for a, a comprehensive health-led approach to drugs and that was for all drugs that's that was pretty much the uh the outcome of the citizens assembly but prior to that vote happening they had another vote um and that vote was asking them whether they wanted to, to maintain the status quo or to go with uh, a different model um so it was it was saying take the same uh, Stay, stay with the status quo uh, take a different approach but take the same approach for all drugs or take a different approach and take a different approach for all drugs um, and what the, the citizens voted for was that they would take a different approach and that different approach would be different for all drugs so they would look at each drug individually and then when it came down to it, the votes on all the individual drugs, so like they voted on the legalisation of like say fucking cocaine, I, I believe that, that was in there, like they were voting on legalising uh, mushrooms and uh, hallucinogenics, heroin and stuff like that. They they got the vote and all of that. Um, and what was the outcome of the vote was a comprehensive health-led approach for all of them. Um, sorry about that. So in, in the end, uh, that was they ended up actually voting for the same approach for all the drugs. Mm -hmm. um, but the main thing to take away from that, and which is why I say it's a positive thing, is that the citizens overwhelm overwhelmingly voted against the status quo. Mm -hmm. it, over 85% of the citizens of the Citizens' Assembly, which is supposed to be a representative sample of the Irish population. So you can effectively say that 85% of the Irish population reject the status quo, which is the criminalization of people for the personal use of drugs, mm -hmm. and, and that that was pretty much the uh, the outcome of it. That that finished off, as I say, in October. The report was only just released today, I believe. Uh, the full report was released either today or, or no, it's actually been released officially tomorrow. Now the full report from the Citizens Assembly. Um, but again, as I say, we we know the outcome of the vote. Um, and it was that they, they voted against the status quo. They voted for a comprehensive health-led approach to all drugs, which effectively is a decriminalization approach to all drugs. Um, taking um, a health-led approach would be the uh, this health diversion program. So when you get caught with any amount of personal amount of drugs, then instead of being criminalized, you would be put into a health diversion program. Again, they, okay. they, they, they would be helping you. You know, which we, we, we've obviously, you know, for obvious reasons, that's still a massive issue. You get caught with a bit of cannabis and all of a sudden you're, you you need help and we're going to put you into a health diversion program. But meanwhile, there's people out like, for example, the 
in Ireland at the moment there's massive problems with waiting lists uh, for uh, clinicians like to see somebody mm-hmm. and what they're doing here in Ireland at the moment the, the waiting lists are such a problem that they try to shorten the waiting list what the, the crafty bastards are doing within the health services they're sending people letters in hope that they might have changed address or something and the letter is basically asking you hey do you want to stay on the waiting list please respond to this letter within two weeks or we'll take you off the waiting list <laughs> so meanwhile like have you, have you moved address like and, and many people are moving address and not, not by choice you know because the, the landlord's up in the rent because the landlord's deciding to fucking uh, sell the house because unfortunately in this country uh, much probably like England is there's less and less people actually own their houses now more and more people are having to rent their houses from landlords and that's that's a problem especially when you've the health service doing things like this but meanwhile, they want to lump this all this extra work now. Like, think about it. Like, you've eighteen thousand people every year uh, being brought to court for the personal possession of drugs. That's eighteen thousand extra people now every year that they're going to want to put into a health diversion program, mm-hmm. into a health system that, as I said, you know, their, their waiting lists are so problematic that they're trying to take people off it. And like that, that's something that's quite personal to me because I've got kids here who've been on somebody's waiting list for over two years and I've seen those letters coming in the door and I'm like they're implying somebody to send out these fucking letters but where, where's the implying somebody to fucking actually shorten the list by seeing the patients That's like, the, that yeah. like, it's, it's a, a broken system much like the broken it's, system it's it's performative and actually yeah when you, you delve into it you start to see the fingerprints of the same people it is the consultation managerial class. It is the classmates of the politicians and the fancy schools that they went to. And they went and started a big data company. Oh, and they went and started, you know, uh, a company that we do specific training in a very niche area. Do you know what I mean? And we charge a thousand pounds a day to do it. I mean, I, I met it. I'm going to grass him up, obviously, but I, I met a consultant on a flight. Uh, and he works and he's got, I think it's second off top uh, governmental security clearance in the UK. And he is one of the most paranoid cannabis consumers I've ever met because of the fucking, the fact that obviously it could ruin his career and lose his fucking, his, his job for, uh, and his, his access. Um, I know my brain's just gone blank. <laughs> oh, crap. Uh <laughs> Oh yes, yeah, so, and so it's it's that group of people, isn't he? His day rate um, for some companies is like oh, can be up to a grand, can be over over a grand for dependent on the size of the thing. And he was like telling me about how at the start of COVID, all of these dodgy companies were created as ways to rob the governments for these these PPE loans. The, the, like people setting up <laughs> companies to actually bring shit in, like, and then people actually just set up companies to get relief loans, and then went, oh yeah, we have fifty people on the books but there was never a company, never 50 people, and they got the relief funds and all this other fucking money, and it's it's that slither of shit that rises to the top in all of our societies that want to perpetuate this shit, that are p- promoting this because they're making money from it. So now they've gone, whoa, 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 what if, what if we arbitrarily keep the law the way it is, so if we don't like that person, we could throw them in there, but if it's one of our kids, we put them on this diversion. And it'll be the same as the clinics right now. The clinics know people are smoking their fucking prescriptions. I've heard it out of the mouths of numerous prescribing doctors and people quite high up in some of the companies. But that's illegal, uh, apparently, isn't it? <laughs> Entirely, but they don't give a fuck because they're 30,000 plus. They're growing and growing every year. And if it then... Look at someone like, no offense to him, Big Nasty and his whole medical release of things. Like, 
you guys are really muddy in the fucking waters here. Have you just again, no offense to him, stick a lab coat on him and all of a sudden he's he, he's allowed to be providing a product that's a medicine? It you you're fucking with know. this. They're just creating a thing of going the the diversion schemes to round off this point rather before I jump into the next fucking one. Uh the, the diversion schemes will just be set up by them private it'll be another way just outside of the health service uh, it'll cost us fucking money to use it and we'll be told that we have to pay, pay for it they'll make money plus then government contracts on top of it and it'll literally just be somebody like are you all right what's your name all right sit here and just sit with your phone for like three hours and then you'll have some paperwork you sign the paperwork and you've just been educated and it'll be some absolute trifle of shit and it'll just you'll be allowed to do just that go again and then fall back in that system and as long as they can have the illusion of control and that fine because they'll want to keep the fine alongside of it so you'll have to pay for the course you'll have to pay for travel to the course you won't get compensated for the time you've lost at your job for being on the course uh they'll then put you on like an extra probation that if they catch you again in six months we'll double the fine you know then double the time and all it's just it's an income it's a tax at the end of the day what they're trying to do here Whereas their mates get caught up in it. Oh, don't worry about that. Yeah, you were there. Stamped. You're good. You're good. Yeah, we, we had a, t- uh, a local councillor uh, actually get busted for uh, driving under the influence of cocaine recently. Um, and this is a councillor for, again, one of the main government parties. Uh, and it, it's it's funny when I, I when I seen that story and I was reading it, I couldn't help but thinking, you know, it's like, what a... Like, what a Two-faced fucker. Like when you think about it, right? I, I would, I might actually do a freedom of information on this guy and see, has he ever once made an effort to inform somebody within the ranks of his own party on, say, regulating cocaine mm-hmm. or legalizing it or like you know doing something to change our approach to it? But or was he happy to be a drug-using politician who like is in a party that oversees? policies that criminalize people like him but he knows he'll never be really criminalized like the fact that he actually got criminalized i'm surprised by i think there's probably going to be a, a cop somewhere fucking giving a slap on the wrist for oh. hey you shouldn't have been punishing him do you know he's part of the fucking the elite party <laughs> or, or to the other way and it's you know they've been approached by somebody maybe in a huge allegedly <laughs> here in this fantasy that i narrative i'm about to create maybe they were approached by somebody and told you know if you do this you can be the guy on the record and when we need you to we can point to it and say we are tough on drugs even in our own ranks you know we can use you as this example it's yeah it's yeah it's it's a bit mental because the more i meet of people at higher class it's not even the drugs per se that they enjoy it's the exclusion it's the exclusivity it's, oh, look at my large bag of cocaine. doesn't matter that it's cocaine, <laughs> but it's this is more than you could afford. Do you know what I mean? And it's yeah. more than they should be carrying on them, but they're only doing it to show off to you. They're not going to go through fucking five grams tonight. Or if you are, I'm sorry, but you need to fucking slow down how much cocaine you're taking, mate. Or else you want to go get some better cocaine. <laughs> oh, 100%, exactly that. Make sure you've actually got some fucking cocaine. Jesus Christ, yeah. Um, but I think they enjoy the f- knowing that. You know, we see it time and time again of people that are involved directly in drug policy when they get caught out to be found to be enjoying and taking fucking drugs. I'm not, you know, mention the accusations. They are accusations, huge allegedly at this point against Crispin Blunt. Do you know, he was the head of drug policy reform groups in the par- in Parliament and is now recently fucking facing an allegation of, you know, drug possession and drug use. It's... 
I am for drug taking politicians being the ones as you say involved in these conversations because at least they have half a fucking clue but it has to be as you say to avoid this hypocrisy it it just it it's backward and that's there is a whether it be in ireland in uk anywhere in the world that i've seen there isn't a space that's been created within the mainstream either media narrative like politics where we can truly truly fucking be honest with drugs and drug users can actually come and have this and not have to hide under medicinalization or tell some tra- some story of trauma that justifies their usage of a drug, you know, this over-pathologizing of our existence. It's like, no, fuck you. I wanted to try that. I tried that. I enjoyed that. Like, it, it, it shouldn't be a fucking thing in the, in the same way, like, if we were talking about, like, food before, um, if you then end up with this, you, your friends, doctors, people around you can prompt or whatever and the services that can help you with that. But until you make that decision, it's on you. And that's what it should be with drugs. And if we look at it through that lens, and then you go, well, even if that person is killing themselves with that substance, it's their fucking right to do it. If you want to help them, don't criminalize them. Don't get in their face and try and, you know, get them to abstain or get, you know, tough love and get the family to turn on them or ruin their social connections or harm them actually go, let's fund services and then give them a nice leaflet and that's as much as you're fucking allowed. That's it. That's all it should be. All these people, the most evangelical people that are anti-fucking drugs, this is going to be controversial, are often the people who've had people in their lives that have had drugs and they have brought that tough love approach and they have harmed that relationship with that individual and removed them from their lives and rather than blaming them cutting off that link and, and you know, fucking saying I'm better than that person, they blame that person's drug use. Yep. I see it constantly. I hear it out of the mouths of often, again, unfortunately, boomer generation individuals, but then when you actually speak to them about it, they fucking get it. Often when you actually just ask them how much they drink, really, most of the people that are anti-drug kind of get a bit, <laughs> but I still don't like it. It's like, cool, you're not allowed, you can, you're allowed that, but you, <laughs> but, you, but you don't have to enforce anything on another because of it, you know? Yeah, so, yeah it's a funny old, funny old fucking reality. Yeah, um, it'd be even funnier if it wasn't fucking true. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, to prove the, uh, it's not a maxim, I can't think what the fucking term is, uh, exactly what you were stating before about us getting off sidebarred. Um, yeah, just uh, before we get uh, onto anything else, um, the next thing uh, that's going on, and it's happening this day next week. That's so, what I was going to ask you, sorry, is just say we got yes, off course okay. there. I was going to say, give us that info. <laughs> yeah, I was going to just bring us back onto track because uh, I, I, I parked that one and I knew I was going to come back to it. But this day next week, um, so around this time, actually, I think the debate would be coming to an end. But the government in Ireland will be debating a bill that will be going into its second stage. Um, so it was introduced to the government last year, or nearly two years ago now. Um, and it, it got voted in, it got accepted, which means it goes into the second stage. There's five stages, so it has to go into the dial now, as I said, this day next week. And then if it gets voted there, it goes back to the Shannon which isn't just like another layer of government, gets voted on there uh, and amended, back into the dial, voted on there, amended, then back to the Shannon, I believe voted on and amended one final time before going to the president, then to be signed into law. So that's like the pathway of a bill in Ireland. Um, So this is in the second stage and it'll be this day next week. It'll be early in the morning that the bill will be uh, introduced to the floor of government. So I believe uh, half 10, 
this day next week, uh, so Wednesday next week, um, for you know, the thirty first of uh, January, just because people will be watching this any day. <laughs> Very true. Yeah. Um, so early in the morning, thirty first, uh, about half ten, the uh, the government will be debating a bill which seeks to decriminalise seven grams of cannabis. Uh, a, 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 tiny amount of cannabis it's to be fair it's it's a pathetic bill it's it's so weak but it's it's weak for a reason they're like the hope is is that like it's just such a weak bill as in like they're, they're decriminalizing the, the, the smallest amount that you could possibly have like that to be fair like how much smaller than seven grams like what a, a gram like three and a half grams like five grams like come on you it's you're not getting really smaller than seven grams for personal possession, like you know, because if if it's if they said five, and that means seven grams is dealing, you know, and and even to try to say that eight grams is going to constitute dealing now, if this yeah. bill is to go, it's it's still it's it's joke. This is why I say it's weak. But yeah. they're hoping that like the the powers that be will see it as appealing because it will still maintain this kind of control that they have, that uh, that you know people can only have a tiny amount. Um, I'm hopeful that uh, in the amendment stage that that the uh, the idea is to okay if we decriminalize seven grams of cannabis where are people going to get their cannabis I hope that question is asked and I hope it's explored properly and I hope in doing so then that somebody in there will recommend that look okay we decriminalize seven grams in, par- in public let's allow people grow cannabis at home, a certain amount of plants at home, a certain amount of cannabis at home or, or something along those lines. Let's hope that an amendment like that is uh, is made and put forward and adopted into the bill. But as it stands, the bill only decriminalizes seven grams of cannabis. And even at that, like if, if you've got seven grams, but it's in two 50 bags, two three and a half gram bags, mm-hmm. that, that cop, if he stops you, he, he could make the argument or she could make the argument that you're dealing, you're about to sell that, you know? Mm-hmm. You can have a text message in your phone and it's from me and it's like, hey, Simpa, you got my bag. And you're, yeah, I'm on the way to there with it. They have evidence now that you're dealing. But, like, is, is it is it fucking dealing? Like, you just picked up a bag for me off of Johnny down the road, you know? It, it, I'm, it, I'm, I'm going to give you the money, but you're still supplying me technically, like, but you're not the dealer. We so, can, yeah, this is where they... Uh, are, Use the it's language. Yeah, it's, it's too arbitrary. Like it's it's there's just too much left open because mm-hmm. a cop at any point could just determine. I I don't like to look at you and mm-hmm. your dealer. You know, you just went down and collected your holiday money, and they don't believe that it's your holiday money. That's that's drug dealer money. Mm-hmm. You you've got seven grams of cannabis on you, and you've got holiday money in your pocket. You're a drug dealer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, under the current, they can be painted as as they want. As I was going to say, there is it's about the classist mechanism. So you and I get caught. We're dealers under their circumstance. Mm. Uh, to somebody else, uh, do you know they would maybe lessen it to supply? They would remove the connotation even under law, so it's a lesser offence. But also, if it would then it be reported or spoke of, supplying drugs isn't the same as dealing drugs. A dealer is violent and vicious and has to defend themselves, and they've got a big, big dog on a chain and a fucking knife. And do you know yeah. what I mean? It, it immediately draws this thing up. Whereas supply is, oh, it's a couple of college kids experiencing drugs on a weekend. You know, it's 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 hijinks of the youth exploring themselves. Whereas on the other side, it's and so it, that that's what they want with all of this. And so that's what, again 
what I have as issue with those kind of bills is, yeah, well and good, but what about the 7.001? What about the <laughs> stalk? What if I happen to get a very particularly stalky quarter of somebody and the dealer's given me 7. Point whatever? Do you know what I mean? And so there's, there's so many other variables. Like you're saying, like, is the Americans still do? Criminalizing under 18s. So yeah. you lost your fucking minds. Like, what are you actually doing here? We need to, as you say, it's supposed to trigger a start of a conversation. But to them lot, it's uh, seven grams. Okay, we can tell our kids to carry six grams. Mm. You know, we can make the argument. That's all it is. It entirely, it's about protecting their fucking kids and their subsect of society and subculture because they're taking even more drugs than us because guess what? They can fucking afford it. Because while the rest of Europe has been effectively in a recession since fucking 2008, these fuckers have been making all the goddamn money. Yeah, I don't even think it's about even protecting their kids. I think that this, the the public desire for this is just getting so great. There's just too many people now that the spillover into the good families, like if you will, like well-to-do families, well-connected families. As I said, here in Ireland, you know, we had a local councillor getting banged for the um, driving under the influence, driving under the influence of cocaine. But again, you know, not, not to be defending it or anything, but uh, the limits, these detection limits, they're quite arbitrary. Um, they're they're zero, they're zero toler what are known as zero tolerance limits. That's so like, not wanting to defend the guy, but I'm going to defend him. Like he he might have been actually even impaired. So that if there needs to be proper conversations about these zero tolerance limits and about like <clears throat> having a sensible approach to, to all of these drugs, um, big. Because, like, as I said, the spillover that's happening now, it's its all se sections of society, it's uh, its happening to, and more and more people are, are kind of standing up and challenging it, you know? And, yeah. and not people who, uh, not not just nobodies, but more people, like, again, as I say, like politicians now and everything are getting caught by the cops. Yeah, I just worry about, since the lower classes that have been, you know, worst hit by this, for the longest and now the middle and upper classes are kind of getting affected by it and you know oh, we need cannabis oil to treat you know young jimmy's fucking cancer or whatever um and they can then lessen the idea of okay well that street dealer and they're trying to like separate it so that we still remain on the street and the bad guy and they don't have to deal with the history of injustice of racism of classism of fucking globalization of empire and all everything else that has gone into creating the paradigm that we live under right now they can just draw a nice little line under it and go this is medical this is safe this is good stuff all our friends are making this and producing it and making money and it's all licensed and regulated so we're all good but the other guys they're not fucking allowed it and so they, it just feels like they're setting the narrative and we're being whitewashed and gentrified. And instead of they're coming, oh, we're legalization, legalization. And I'm like, guys, no. What does legalization mean? What does the language even mean? Cannabis is legal. It's prohibition just dressed differently. Indeed. A lot of the times when you look at it, like, you know, you see certain places where the legacy market still prevails there in the US and, and stuff like that, where they've, they've legalized it. But now you're a criminal because you you haven't got a state-approved uh, license for growing cannabis. Even though you've been growing cannabis and selling cannabis for years, you're you're it's prohibition two point as they they put it, um, because the the barriers to entry, you know, uh, mm -hmm. they they've all sorts of restrictions there, you know, and quite often it's about greasing the the wheel financially, um, and these a lot of people in the legacy market probably didn't really have the money there to be, uh, or, or maybe didn't actually want to be. 
paying the money they're kind of like why would I be giving the money to the government now who've been criminalizing me for doing this for the last number of years and all of a sudden they want me to be giving them this much money and what are they giving me back for that money I'm, I'm not a criminal for doing it anymore that's all I'm getting back I can't bank do you know what I mean I yeah. can't I can't can't, can't uh, move my product across uh, state lines to other states where it's legal mm-hmm. you know and, and, and that's what they're getting back for their taxes it's like I don't blame people for remaining in the legacy market and not wanting to pay these license fees to, to basically the people who were freaking executing them uh, only not that long ago or yesterday you could say effectively 100% and that is entirely my argument at all times it is there's a movement was it in the states uh regulate like regulate cannabis like alcohol yeah. uh and so that, like that, that yeah that is the closest to me is literally just like it's only when it's fucking alcohol and it's the end product yeah. that it really needs it and it's only commercial and as my has changed my sign this week actually quite coincidentally oh no it's not the one i yeah, thought like, changed like, it's, not, it's not the one i changed it to damn it I, was, I thought it was the one that said any limitation on the individual is a continuation of prohibition. Uh, because it, it is, like I said before, I could go to the yeah. shop now and I could fill this room with crates of beer. I could be sitting yeah. on a couch of crates of beer. There's no limitation to that possession. Do you know what I mean? There's, there's an axe under influence that I can that can be problematic. Yeah. But then it's the drug is never even a blame. I choose to do that still. It's under the law I'm choosing, even if I'm drunk, to drink drive. Mm-hmm. So if that's then true of what happens with that extrapolate that out to other drugs that means that the drugs are not doing fucking anything we're doing this shit and actually when you uh, go from being a person that has you know harm and damage in your youth and you're raised in an environment that worsens that at every turn and you find something that helps you and you get kicked out of your house for using it and you get caught up in prison and through that system and you lose financial gain and job opportunities and housing and all of these things and, and the drug never did shit to you the drug is the only thing that you've got as an anchor that's grounding you to your reality. It's the reality that's fucking destroying you for, for being drawn to this thing that helps you. And as you said before about the cannabis thing, I, I don't believe it's a choice. I've had moments where I'm like, I need to eat today or I need a 10, 20 bag. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, 20 bag words every time. Because yeah. it's not just, a, oh, I want a pleasant whatever. And mm-hmm. it's not people going, oh, you druggy, you need it because if you don't, you're fucking rare. No, I know my body well enough. I know my mental health well enough. I know my conditions well enough, how to regulate and and self-treat myself. And now if I have the prescription and the piece of paper, I can consume it whenever I want. I'm allowed at any time and that's fine. But if I don't have the piece of paper, they're still justified in saying, yeah, mate, you may think it helps you, but you're using too much or you're abusing it or you're... Where's the fucking difference? Even when I have the paper, the doctor still doesn't tell me when to use it. I choose... So again, it's we need to break down these barriers between those several points so that the average person, as you say, can look at it and go, none of this makes any fucking sense. If it's fine with a doctor, then it's fucking fine. And then if it's fine for that guy, it should be fine for everybody else. Like you said, it, the only responsibility is, is regulation of commercial access. Yeah. That's that's really it. That's the only place we want the government is involved is figuring out that shit. Yeah, you can do your import, export, your large scale, huge commercial licensing. We expect that because we want it to be the best available at that level. But yeah. in terms of the Dave we all know down the road, fucking get off his back, leave him alone, let him buy his mansion and twelve Range Rovers. But was Range Rovers? say it. Range Rovers, if that's what he wants. Right. Like as long as he let him pay tax on commodity or whatever, and figure out a mechanism there that's fair. 
but you shouldn't then be allowed to like oh, come around with a clipboard and be like oh you, you've got too many plants there it's going to be a fine of a thousand pounds per plant well you know oh, that's that's 12 yards closer to the pathway that's another far like fuck any of that fuck it all get you literally you have one responsibility go we are sorry we got this wrong and fuck off yeah <laughs> that, that's it we'll then come and tell you when we need you in a couple of years and go yeah. alright guys we, we got together and we made some notes and um, yeah we need you to regulate this change this law do, that's how it should work you know when the gay, gay culture the queer community whatever needs something there is a collective through various organisations and lobby uh, groups yeah. and just to go to the government and go yeah we want this that's what it should be. Why is cannabis and us as a community the only ones that are not allowed to represent ourselves? We can't organise. We we haven't had the freedom to associate, I suppose, really. That right has been violated to us for a very long time, as as we've expressed earlier in the show, the censorship that goes on there online, the difficulty in finding connections online. Um, I, I know there are ways around that, but just it's it's very difficult then to, to propagate that into the offline world because... We're always so fearful of, again, you know, being targeted, you know, being outed. You know, people don't want to be exposed. It's very much safer to be online as, you know, fucking uh, sc- screen name one, two, three, four, five, you know, whatever that might be, whatever your anonymous screen name is. People feel comfortable there because it's dangerous to be a cannabis consumer out there in the real world, like, you know, because the cops will target you. Your job could be taken off you, you know, if you're living in a council gaff, like, you know, you could be evicted, much was the case there. I remember Clark Kent, uh, French was, uh, Clark Kent, (laughs) Superman. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, French was uh, having some difficulty uh, with with the council that time, uh, I believe, um, because of medicating with his medical cannabis prescription. I believe there was like a neighbor or something of of his complaining, you know, as a smell of drugs coming out of his place, you know. (laughs) It's ridiculous. It is. It's absurd that I want to uh, read a quote that I, I think I've butchered many a time on this and I've, I've repeated verbatim many times on this, but it's from John Ehrlichman, who was uh, Nixon's advisor during the war on drugs. Um, <laughs> and he spoke to, I think it was CNN uh, in like 93, something like that. Uh, it's not that bad apparently or something like um, that. Uh, he's what? <laughs> Apparently, he was on his deathbed or something like that. Was, 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 was... It, I don't know. The image they've got on here is it's is pretty pretty young uh, of him. I think he was quite old at that. I think time. he might even still be alive now. Actually, I I don't remember seeing anything that's saying he's dead. But anyway, the quote is: uh, "You want to know what this war was really about?" Speaking of the war on drugs, um, the Nixon campaign in 1968 and the Nixon White House uh, after that had two enemies, the anti-war left and black people. We knew we couldn't make it illegal to be either against the war or black, but by getting the public to associate the hippies with marijuana and blacks with heroin and then criminalizing both heavily, we could disrupt their communities. We could arrest their leaders, raid their homes, break up their meetings and vilify them after uh, night after night on the evening news. Did we know we were lying about the drugs? Of course we did. Yeah, so that's as you said that that's what we're still living under now under Prohibition yeah. two point as you say in America, um, under I think every state's interpretation of legalization in its jurisdiction states that you only have the lawful right to consume cannabis in your own home. 
yeah. own meaning you have to own that home. If you are renting your home, as you've just alluded to before, more people than ever before around the world uh, own nothing and should be happy, to paraphrase uh, what I would consider to be a psychopathic German, but we'll not get into that one. Um, that would be Klaus Schwab, not the other one with the moustache. <laughs> um, shit, I got lost thinking of fucking... Ownership homes, be around Germans. Um, about to interject and talk about fucking BlackRock and how like they're doing <laughs> more shit now these days. Like some of these big companies, there's like a couple of companies there now in the world and they own like about 50%. There's like five companies that own like 50% of the world's it feels, if, assets. It, like, you it know, feels, it's, feels to me it's, it's a monopoly game and people re- recognize. Yes, people recognize at some point all the paper and numbers on the screen is going to vanish yeah. and whoever's got the stuff wins. And when the game resets, stuff yeah. wins. And it's, it's, it's yeah, it's, but the, the point being that if... Go on. Oh, go on. Sorry, go on. Sorry, yeah. uh, if you rent, rent your own house, you, you can't consume cannabis. Your landlord gets to determine that. So as you say, again, we are, there is no freedom, no liberation, no cessation of your vilification under that paradigm. You are entirely still left to be paranoid and scared as you said how much have i got on me on the street like i joke now the irony is my pres- i have to leave the house in possession if i get in the car i have to take weed with me yeah it's fucking stupid because i'm always gonna have it in me if i get pulled over or whatever and, and they, they want to swab me you, do you know what i mean and i have to go through that for all. but i know i don't have to abide by that road traffic act uh, 1988 subsection fucking five uh because of my prescription but the problem is that cop doesn't fucking know that and he's going to try and be a dick. So I've got yep. to keep the piece of paper and a, jar, a, a thing full of weed and go, here, cannabis, paper saying I'm fine, fuck off. Like, it, 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 an absurdity to this system that means I'm just not allowed to be free. And as you are saying before, with the smell of somebody complaining, it, the, the police should almost go, well, we can't prove if that is you know legitimate medicine or not. So no. So the smell of cannabis shouldn't be a police issue anymore because there's thousands of people in, in the UK alone, you know, 100,000, I think, in Germany that can consume cannabis, yet people still get reported, I smell cannabis, and the system isn't going, well, that could be one of these lawful patients, and we shouldn't have to waste your taxpayer money to go around and harass this person who quite likely could have a lawful defense for what they're doing. Yep. Yeah, man, such a stupid system. Just liberate us all, and like I said, it, the... The problem is the inflated market. Kids with knives and all of this shit and the county lines and the narrative that they're painting as the extreme front lines of the war on drugs is entirely a consequence of their system. Mm -hmm. Because your average home grower, whether they want to admit it or not, the price that you can produce quality cannabis for in a small space, it's ridiculous. The cost per ounce is... Probably not that far off what you guys are paying for a gram in Ireland right now at 20 euros. I don't know what the conversion rate is. Um, but yeah, you can even get it cheaper if you want to use, you know, salt minerals and whatever else and bulk that out, etc. Like the return, it's ridiculous. The, the money is then on the risk and everything else and toward the middleman, then the next guy, then the next guy. It's, it's all of those people that have got to be fed through that chain that's causing this inflation. Whereas you said, if every cannabis consumer was like, all right, we're going to leave you as be. Everyone that could physically was able, and I know there's some not able body people and people that couldn't for, for other <clears> reasons, but everyone that could, bar those exceptions, would try and fucking grow their own. Obviously, some people wouldn't be good to it. Some people would be lazy and be happy to pay or whatever else. Or, but it, the only way I see it, like, again, horrible science and looking at it from that side of it is 
you can go to the shop, right? You can buy a big head of cabbage, right? Just just think of a big head of cabbage. How much are you paying for a head of cabbage at the shop? And what, what does that weigh? You get about a 500 gram head of cabbage. To grow 500 grams of cabbage takes just as much as effort as growing 500 grams of cannabis. Why in the name of God would you be still paying what we're paying now if you were able to grow cannabis just like you grow cabbage? Mm-hmm. And that, that's the, the way I would look at it, you know, because at the, at the moment you're, you're paying a crazy, absolutely insane prices. Like, you, you, you tell me any other crop out there that you're able to get. Like, the, the only other thing I could think of that maybe uh, is, like, comparable to cannabis, and, and even it isn't as expensive as cannabis, and that's saffron. You know, saf- saffron, the little strands, these are tiny little strands that grow on inside a little flower and they have to be collected by a human. And you get like about, I think you get about five grams of saffron um, for about seven euro or something. Seven euro, five grams for like, fucking, and it has to be picked by a human's hand. Like, and it's very, very like, in, like, uh, I would just say like a uh, human labor, int- heavy, intensive, mm-hmm. like, you know, Intricate, yeah. No, well, it's it's just it, it requires a lot of input, mm-hmm. such a little bit of output, and they're still able to sell that output at such a small thing. But meanwhile, you're you're buying a gram of cannabis on the street for how much? You're buying a gram of cannabis from your private clinic for how much? And as I said, you buy five hundred grams of cabbage for probably less than two pounds down at your local Tesco. Mm-hmm. Why why the hell can't you go down and buy five hundred grams of cannabis for even five pound? Why, why, why is 500 grams of cannabis like way more than mm. cabbage? Okay, all right, fair enough. I know people are going to make in the argument, you know, all right, well, you're, you're, you, do you want to be buying wet cannabis because your, your cabbage isn't dried? I know yeah. very much, but all right, you take off 80% of that weight. You're still talking about like, well, what's that, like 20% of the weight of the cabbage remaining, which is still 100 grams. Should be like, like 100 grams of cannabis for five pounds. Surely. Surely you should be able to buy five hundred or hundred grams of cannabis for five pound if you're able to get a cabbage for two pound. <laughs> the only reason you can't is because they've made it so hard to grow that cannabis legislatively. The bureau, the bureaucracy, there, the red tape, the license fees, mm-hmm. you know, the the restrictions around growing it. You can't grow it in a field like you can grow your cabbage. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think the the cheapest deal that I. Got, and I probably could have got cheaper, but I wasn't really going for cheaper. It was just kind of upsold to me, I guess, in one of the dispensaries in the US when I was there last. It was Outdoor Blue Dream in Oregon in mm-hmm. one of like the major uh, harvest where they had an excess harvest. I think it was when Oregon were trying to push to get um, interstate commerce to be the first interstate commerce allowed state uh, to, to sell cannabis in other states because it, I think it was seven, eight times over prescribed in terms of how much it produced compared to what it was expecting. Um, Any other thing was $45, $50, something like that. For how much? For an ounce. That's, which, yeah, that's and I think for yeah. conversion to pounds at the time was somewhere around like 35, 40 uh, quid. Um, yeah, I heard something very similar from people who've been in Nimbin in Australia and they were down there at a hotel they were staying and they were telling me that the uh, the, the clerk, uh, the, the receptionist at the, the hotel 
was like, oh, yeah, you want some cannabis? No bother. Um, do you want one plant or two plants worth? And they, they, they were literally brought out into a thing and the, there was plants just hanging up and your man just tucked down the plants, broke off the branches. It was just dry and it was literally freshly dried. It wasn't even cured or anything. And uh, I think that they, they were able to buy the plant for uh, the two plants for $80, Australian dollars. And they said there was like fucking two, three ounces worth of weed there. It was like the, the greatest of stuff, like was outdoor stuff, like, but fucking $80, yeah. two plants, two ounces, I think they got like, or something like off of. I think well, they made some nice hash off it, actually. Yeah, well, let's see, you're, uh, you're, you're paying for the labor. You, you, Provide the environment, the lights, and the feed, and the water. The the plant will grow itself. You, you're not yeah, having. I, to... I don't mind paying for that stuff. <clears throat> what I don't want to pay for is the fucking the legal costs. Yeah, these, it, it, these unnecessary barriers that are being put in place because of bureaucracy, because of these fucking bureaucrats who want to make their few shillings because they had control over us, and we we need to be thankful for them allowing us access to this, and we have to pay yeah. for that access. Hundred percent, full spectrum market is what you want to see. You want to see the guys that can put something together and yeah, they can chuck out 40 quid ounces. And because again, like I said, you can produce for like 20, 25 quid ounces in a, in a relatively small space in the UK under the right light and settings, if you know what you're doing. I know people um, there and they, they've costed their grows and they've got their costs uh, down. Um, electricity wise to about 20 cent per gram um, when they grew it out, then when they introduced the cost of like their their inputs, like you're talking about two, two, three euro a gram, mm-hmm. um, maybe less, depending on what inputs they were actually using. If they were going for that saucy advanced nutrient stuff, then they were probably paying a bit more. <laughs> um, if you went to the old organically grown amendment uh, way, it was a bit cheaper, those guys. Um, but yeah, you can get your cost considerably down, definitely. Mm-hmm. Again, I, I know that's a big problem it's... over there in the US at the moment now is that uh, the wholesale price is fucking falling through the uh, through the roof. Like uh, it's just bot- the the bottom of the market's kind of falling out. Um, it's a, they tried to artificially constrain a market under a free air quotes, you know, free market economics under neoliberalistic uh, neoliberalism and fucking this this modern maladapted version of capitalism. And it, it would, would, these things were never compatible. They were never, never going to fucking work. It's always going to be a race to the bottom, as you see. And what, what all that's done when you look at, say, uh, UK prescribed cannabis, where's that shit coming from? Macedonia. Where's that shit coming from? Fucking, uh, I was going to say Zimbabwe. Isn't Zimbabwe? I'm trying to think of which African country it was that I saw the other day. Um, but yeah, the, 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 from fucking miles away and whatever else, because of the labor costs at the end of it, it's, they can produce it at this. It was like saying the guy's buying the plant. If somebody then sat and trimmed that up and went through all of that, it's that's from saying the labor at each each phase. Whereas if you are the labor and you're producing it and you're not pitch, charging yourself for your own labor, like you said, yeah. it's, it's it's next to nothing. And if you live close to the equator, then fuck me, it's you've an <laughs> infinite flower cycle. You all you have to do is artificially create your own darkness rather than your own fucking light. And it's a lot of flowers. <laughs> yeah, you just you just on on for a winner. It's and this is what we should be embracing is cannabis should be accepted as a crop, and that's what it should be looked at. We're talking the production of trillions upon trillions of plants. Yeah, there can be artisan like your ten grand cognac style. Do you know what I mean? And you're paying all the boxes a thousand pounds with the gold or yeah. there can be and should be all of that shit. But there should also be, as you say, you just go in and buy a sack, a kilo sack of fucking weed, and it's sticks and bits and all whatever else. Yeah. And you can choose to go make that in oil and edibles at home yourself. You can do X with it. You can do it in animal bedding and take it home or 
we just just reintroduce cannabis as a crop, a multiversatile crop, back across the spectrum. But the problem is that means, like I said, the buds are going to fall off a cliff unless you are an artisan, unless you've got an established brand, unless you've got a story, unless you've got a reason that people are going to go to you. Look, so people go for some fucking reason to Salt Bay's restaurant. Do you know what I mean? And spend 100, 100 fucking grand on the same food that you could make at home for 30 fucking quid. Do you know what I mean? But you, you pay... There's, the extra thing and the extra thing should always be allowed because you've always got the option to do, do it yourself. And it, that's what's absent from any of these legalization systems is our option to be self-sufficient. Most of us are right now anyway, you know, in some form or another, granted under extreme duress and pressure and stress, but we're still fucking looking after ourselves and we're trying to look after each other and build our communities for all the suppressors and squashers and raiders and vilifiers night after night on the evening news. Yep. It's yeah, it's it's a fun time, man. It's I'll talk this. <laughs> yeah, they call it a war on drugs, and it's like, man, I don't remember signing up. <clears throat> nope. I, did, I don't remember enlisting to this shit. I was like I was happily like la, 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 la. ooh, these for fun. Ooh, what's this plant? Ooh, what's this? Ooh, what's this? And then they're all like rah, 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 and you're like, I didn't do fucking anything, and then like, rah, 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 and you're like, Yeah explain it and they're like I can't and you're like well I've done lots of research and you go to these people with all the information as you say you, you've got you know the laws you we know the the reason and the structure of this and they're like but it's bad and you go what does that mean and they're like it's bad why because I think it's bad well why are your thoughts that something's bad mean that my life has to be criminalized yeah yeah no it's, it's bad I think with the, with the, have you been caught with stuff before some but I think I might have really talked to this before but just refresh my memory. Uh, I've just had, uh, yeah, I'm going to get there with the answer to this, but in my brain there was just the Cat Williams clip when he's on the radio in the US and he's talking about like 19 uh, felony but no convictions. It's like, um, (laughs) I have been caught with things. I have not been prosecuted with with anything, Uh, often because it's caught up in other shit. The only really times I'm... I'm pretty crafty at getting away from... I'm always, like, keeping an eye out for the blue lights. I'm always twitchy for, for cops. I always know where to smoke just for a venue, where to stash things on my persons, etc. Mm. But the only times I really get caught up is either when I was drinking and I'd have weed on me or whatever, and I'd just forget and get away. And somebody's like, what, you smell? And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, look at your pockets, you smell. I'm like, what the fuck? And it's like a cop on the street dealing with the drugs. It's like, I got caught because I smell. Like, fuck you. And because of the situation, it's like, oh, they'll take a 20 bag or an eighth off you and they'll tell you to fuck off. I've had numerous occasions like that or bouncers kicking me out of music venues. So yeah. I've learned enough to kind of avoid shit. So yeah, it's only when I'm, I, I get caught up in something fucking really random as hell that I've had those situations. And often I've been quite lucky to, to yeah. not really, ha- not really have any, uh, any r- judge. No, luckily I've not touched, touch all the fucking. Yeah. Yeah. Man, <laughs> too very long way to continue. But yeah, it's, I, I, I worry about it, not because I'm scared, but I'm scared of what I would do. I I know in my heart hearts I'm not going to take a guilty plea, but I'm I'm scared of how much I would want to fight back, as you say, because I also had quite a difficult childhood. I had a quite an abusive upbringing and was removed from mainstream education and was you know locked into some environments with some pretty fucking oh. raggy people. And yeah, the idea of them then choosing again to lock me up against my will for being me in a period when the time was like, that's wrong to be you. You know, I was being accused of being uh, the problem rather than my abuser. And that led to a whole fucking thing. And it's the same trauma pattern, you know what I mean? And so in that dock, 
I don't know if I would then not give want to give the judge hell, want to say my fucking piece and then get that extra fucking thing on top and get fucking punished for it and then get locked up and basically be berated into, you know, two plus two is five. I'm, it's not, and it never will be, and there's nothing you can do to me that will make me say it. There is no conditioning, no punishment, nothing that that can be done. And I, I like to think maybe in a form of delusion that part of what I've done over the past however many years, 10 years, whatever in this space is part of my defense. Yeah. It's everything that I can bring up and, and it's all research. It's all learning for hopefully that moment that never comes. But if it does come, that's my, uh, I'm trying to think of a film analogy. <laughs> Uncle Vinny sort of moments. <laughs> That'd be my grandstanding without much fucking awareness or education in the courtroom. Uh, probably to mine, like I said, my own detriment. Yeah, um, but yeah, what, why'd you ask? Or was it just a general? Yeah, question? no, I just I suppose uh, to lead into uh, my own situation, uh, I was only in court there again not too long ago. Mm. Uh, I was only in court uh, last week, um, and the week before Christmas, I was in court as well. Uh, so last week, I was in court uh, for the plants I, I planted so uh, that's why I was on with you the last time actually it was during my civil disobedience I was planting cannabis plants across the the city uh, across the island of Ireland actually we even planted them in different counties and all travelled up and planted them alongside uh, the, the mother of uh, patients having to use cannabis illegally um, trying to get a licence and, and, and all that stuff so uh I was in court for some of those ones for here in Cork City. So I had six charges of cultivation uh, for six different locations, 32 cannabis plants in total. <laughs> um, so that that's, uh, I was in court the last week for that. Uh, I arrived into court, I was wearing my Rastafarian colored from top to bottom, tricolor. Uh, cannabis emblazoned, <laughs> cannabis leaf emblazoned. It just has a big cannabis leaf down the tracksuit, like so. Like I, I was wearing my pride colours, you know, to to make that uh, kind of comparison there. Um, so I went in there completely blazed out my uh, cannabis pride colours, and I stood up there in front of the judge and I spoke up to represent myself. Um, the judge was trying to impose my free legal, my right to free legal age, you know, that I have a right to uh, legal representation, should I so wish. And uh, she was like, I would really advise you. Like she was trying to intimidate me. Mm-hmm. And I just stood there, man, kept my head help a high. And I was like, no, I'm I'm more than happy to proceed with the case, judge, and, and represent myself. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm more than capable of speaking up for myself, judge. Thank you very much. And uh, the judge said, yeah, no problem. And if any time, um, yeah. You change your mind, she said. Um, she goes, you you can get free legal aid, and and I'll just remind you that I I would really suggest that you do because these are serious charges. I was like, yeah, no, I'm I'm very well aware of the seriousness of the charges, judge. Thanks very much, I said, and uh, I goes, is that is that also judge my free to go? And she goes, yeah, that's all. Nah, I I left the court then at that point, so I kept. Nice and polite. Uh, I'm going to be back in the court, I believe, on the just look at the calendar there. I think it's the sixth of March. Yeah, the the fifth or the sixth of March. I don't know. Is it the Tuesday or the Wednesday? I must fucking be sure. I don't know. I want to be showing up on the wrong. Day. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'll I'll be getting to stand up for myself there. In in that case, uh, then before Christmas, I was back up in court as well for another case 
where last year um, or in 2021 November 2021 I think it was uh, we marched into a Garda station down in Dungarvan we handed in a CBD cannabis joint in a protest because CBD cannabis is still illegal over here in Ireland unfortunately um, they've been uh, raiding some of the stores here one of the stores uh, the store owner had his home raided uh, the, the weekend before the protest where we went in with it uh, he was held overnight in the uh, the the Garda stations uh, holding cell, um, held in there overnight in a, a cold damn cell for the crime of providing a high quality CBD product to the community, where some of the patients or some of the, the the customers of his are uh, parents of young kids who suffer with things like autism, um, and those mothers, uh, those, those parents found much benefit uh, to his products for their kids. That help the kids, you know, improve their their behavior, improve their moods, improve their, their appetite, sleep, and and all of that kind of all sorts of improvements seen from these kids, um, and other adults alike who are consuming the products. And, and interestingly enough, uh, the the owner of the store told me uh, he found out that one of the the women who comes into the store is actually a, the wife of one of the guards who raided his store, <laughs> which is just oh, it's it's so crazy like that this. This goes on. How does this exist? Like, is like we're fucking in some sort of a twisted movie or something. But anyhow, I went to court for that. And actually, interestingly enough, I went to court for that the day after I presented as a representative for the patients for safe access to that justice committee I mentioned there earlier on. Um, so the very next day after being up there with the government, I was in court in front of a judge for a protest where I went into a guard station with a CBD joint. And, and you know what? That judge... Uh, so saw fit as a punishment for me on that day, a two month prison sentence. <laughs> so that judge, uh, that that was in July uh, of 2023, the 14th of July, I think it was, or something along those lines. Uh, he gave me a two month prison sentence. I immediately appealed it. I was like, you know what, f that, that that's a joke. No way, I'm accepting this. I'm appealing this. Um, so I stuck in the appeal, which is my right. Um, I, I got back up before a judge then there just before Christmas. They brought me back up to court on the 19th of December, six days before Christmas, like crazy. <clears throat> so unfair. Like, it was so, so, so messed up. For, for, like, come on, cannabis. Like, it's where it was like some sort of a fucking hardened criminal. A like fucking a fucking joint. Society. Um, yeah. like, literally, they, they valued it at um, five euros. Um, so like, that's not even five pounds. <laughs> they valued it at that and uh, the judge was giving me a two-month prison sentence um, they, they actually held me in the cells down there that day because the judge was being a right prick he wouldn't take the money off me because the money was at the back of the courtroom in my bag my buddy had it um, on this day I actually had a solicitor the owner of the store allowed me to use uh, his solicitor mm-hmm. uh, I was able to get free legal aid so the state was able to pay for it anyway but uh, his solicitor knew CBD and all of this stuff but when I went back in for the appeal the judge was like, I don't want to hear anything about CBD. She was like, all I, all I want to know is that was cannabis and cannabis is illegal and the levels of THC, the levels of CBD are irrelevant to this case. You had cannabis and that's illegal. That's what the judge said to me in the appeal case. I was just kind of like, oh shit, I'm going to prison here today. I was thinking, oh fuck. Mm. <laughs> um, but what was she done in the end? Uh, she actually gave uh, me the opportunity to pay a 200 euro donation to the local uh, St. Vincent de Paul charity, which is basically a charity that helps uh, the, the poor people within the community. Um, and as it was Christmas week and I was just like, you know what, fuck it, I'll just pay it. I'm, I'm going to kind of end my protest. I'm like... 
this is a win in a sense. Like this, mm. I, I got to walk out of the court with no conviction that day. I kind of, but it wasn't, it wasn't the win I wanted. I yeah. wanted to stand the ground and win it based upon my argument, not based upon being able to give 200 euro to the fucking charity. Um, I got to the back of the court that day and the owner of the store actually just handed me the money. He was like, man, it was my store you were protesting for that day. He was like, there you go. He's like, don't even try to give it back to me. Just go up and pay it. Get it done there today. Um, and just be done with it. And I pretty much did. Um, so it was, it, it was a little win. I didn't go to prison. It was Christmas week. I got to go home, enjoy Christmas with my family and stuff. Uh, I didn't have to be the martyr that week, I, even though I, I want, oh, like... I, I was tempted, like you know what I mean. As much as my family probably would have hated me for like being that fucking, you know, uh, because it it, it would have been selfish. You know, it was it was selfless but selfish as well, like because it was mm-hmm. it was what I wanted to do. But obviously, I come. I, I like there's no dad doesn't want to be with our family for Christmas, but mm-hmm. that's that that was what I was willing to sacrifice to show, like what this means. How much this fucking argument meant to me like that yeah. this is my right to be able to do this this is my right to be able to protest first and foremost like what what that was but at the same time this is my right to be able to possess this plant like to be able to consume this plant to be able to even grow this plant like that's going to be my argument in my future case going forward mm. it's my right I'm going to be going in there arguing on, on the human rights ground um, yeah. in the future cases I, I, I want to win the future cases in an actual sense of winning I'm not going paying a donation next time. Mm-hmm. I'm going to prison. I that's or I'm winning. It's it's one or the other. Like I'm winning the way I want to win, which is fucking a way in which I set a precedent that everybody in Ireland will get a right to grow over what I will have achieved, hopefully. And that's not that I want to be big headed. Uh, I don't want I don't want to do it to be the person who fucking done it. I just want to do it to, so it's done. You know what I mean? I just want it to be done. Like I, I would. Gladly do it anonymously if if needed, like. But unfortunately, like that's not how martyrism works. <laughs> you know, it's not done anonymously. But we we need people to, uh, to do this. Um, and I'm I'm willing to do it uh, going forward. I'm willing to to go in there to the court and say, like, you know, we we have rights as, as I mentioned there earlier. You know, our freedom of association. We've uh, in our constitution, our human rights are enshrined through that, and we've got a freedom a right to 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 associations. Um, that that's the the freedom to be able to freely associate in society based upon different things, like based upon you know your your political beliefs, based mm-hmm. upon your religious beliefs. No, no government should have the right to be able to say like that you shouldn't be able to associate with this person uh, because of this, and that's basically what's happening because of the prohibition. They're not directly saying we can't associate, but indirectly they're that we can't because if we get together, if we form a club, they're they're going to target us, they're going to bust us. You know, like yeah. so our right has been violated in that sense. Our right to privacy has been violated. Mm-hmm. Our, our our right to life, liberty, uh, that that's that's been violated. Um, the the, the health, <laughs> uh, happiness, all, all of that. Um, so there's many rights that are being violated. So I'm I'm ready to go forward and uh, make make those arguments uh, in the court and hopefully uh, win our right to be able to grow this plant here. Damn man, I. I had no idea you were going through all of this. I uh, remember no, I didn't, yeah, the, the plan protest. <laughs> Damn, man. Um, respect, as always. Respect, as always. And yeah, agreed. That's that's what I fear, is that moment of going, fuck you, lock me up. Because in that moment, that is as close to a manifest... 
presence of authority of the thing that we've rebelled against the 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 universal them the they out there this this authoritative entity that free floats you know the fucking uh, the police the fucking teachers the fucking prison guards bouncers fucking cops fucking anybody at any level you know healthcare professionals anybody that tells you, you know you're wrong you shouldn't do these things and in that moment, that's a chance for you to stand against all of that cumulatively and speak your truth. Yet, as yep. you say, they bully and berate and fill us full of such fucking fear. And even when we, if we were to take legal counsel in the UK, that's basically useless because they, it's a conspiracy. The the way your voice, yeah, your freedom to speak within the court. You're no longer able to speak in the court to the judge. Mm -hmm. You speak to your solicitor and your solicitor alone. The judge will not hear you. You will not get to speak to the judge unless the judge speaks to you. And and even then, the judge will speak to you through your solicitor. Like this is how much your voice is removed. This is why I I've never liked uh, getting legal representation when I went into court because it was always a case of right. You, you got caught with cannabis, right? That's guilty. What's your story? Like, you're working? Yeah, no bother. Okay, yeah, we'll give him the sob story. So I've, I've had a solicitor. I went in and was like, yeah, judge, my client is working. Um, He really uh, wants to avoid a conviction, judge. So that was the wink and a nod to the judge in that, like, this guy is desperate, judge, hit him with a hefty dona donation. Because that's what they call it here, donation to the core charity box. The charity box gets to fatten and swell in, and then the judge gets to decide, right, who's going to be the benefactor of uh, of my donations? And then the judges, they get to be wined and dined then by these different charities and the city halls and all of this kind of, you know, the kind of that crap that goes on there. But it's done off the back of good people like myself and um, you know, others out there uh, who get dragged before the courts and uh, our, our money taken off us. But that that's hopefully going to be brought to an end soon uh, as I said next week uh, built to decriminalise 7 grams of cannabis and in the not too distant future my my, my legal bat battle that hopefully might set a precedent but is most likely unfortunately is going to end up with me in prison I would say <laughs> I'm always trying to be the optimistic one but like to be I'll have to be honest as well like I'm probably fucking going to prison <laughs> well let's hope that then <laughs> I mean, things are moving, obviously, anyway, in terms of the mainstream narrative and the politics and everything, as you say. And it, unfortunately, it's a, it's a roll of the dice, isn't it? Whether you get a judge that is aware of the times and moving of this, and I don't know, maybe they've got a grandkid with epilepsy or something, or maybe there's some, you know, and that's what we're reliant on at this point, is the mercy of these authoritarians having direct exposure and understanding of us. And as you say, the... The legal system, it's so fucked. We should we know the laws to not break, but we have no idea of the procedure, the pageantry, and the pompous bullshit that goes on in the performance of a courtroom. We should be given a, a legal defendant, uh, someone to, like defenders, but the, as you said, we shouldn't be silenced. We should have the opportunity to speak, and if we, if we get fucked up, our guy goes, oh, no, man, dude, you don't say that. We talk, do you know what I mean? And somebody to guide you through the process, not just completely go and get you the best fucking deal for both of those guys and you get screwed every time because they obviously want to get paid they want to get all this shit so if you're not fucking guilty somebody's got to pay for those costs do you know yeah. what i mean as you said it's all fucking steak dinners and fine cigars it's it's a different reality and world that they live in you know these people are on fucking stupid salaries they're driving around the, the dip upper level judges again like town cars like chauffeur driven fucking town cars and shit like minor celebrities around by ex-guards 
Yeah, it's it's all bullshit. As you say, it's this little cabal, for lack of a better way of phrasing it. And yeah. like you say, it takes the people standing up, and it's not going to be, as you say, one person magically kind of goes, rah, and it's whatever. One person inspires another, inspires another, inspires another. And it's yeah. that, that wave, the, the dominoes, you know, the small domino building to the large one. And we'll all just be a single domino, but together we can knock that big fucker over. And it's, they like I said, we can't sit in a room, a hundred of us, and make a plan now. Because as soon as we put that online, we get raided, we get silenced, we get shit. We, we can't, we're past the point of organizing in the way that old civil rights movements did now. The best we kind of have is we wait for them to create a thing and then we go and get in there and try and steer it. Because what they've got, oh, we've done this and oh, look, we've got a, a website and we're allowed to exist and we've got these social media pages and we're not censored. And look, we're in the local press. We're getting interviewed on the mainstream media. So how did you guys get there in 30 seconds of being a thing when there's people in this space that have been trying for decades that are far more knowledgeable, experienced and talented, but can never get a call back from any of these mainstream things. So then we can infiltrate that and kind of redirect them. But we have to be mindful of not just, just fucking cheerleading for them. We have yeah, to like, where are these people? Where do they come from? And what are they doing? Like, where do they want to take us? You know? Yeah. No, I think it might even be a bit too late at that stage to be trying to infiltrate and redirect. Like, uh, I don't know, man. Like, like over here in Ireland, I, I know that at least we, we've got the Cran. Uh, we've obviously myself. Uh, we've got the Cannabis Activist Alliance, is another group that's been um, that was fairly active. Uh, I, I know over the last couple of months, um, just just been a lot of kind of the pedals been off the gas. Obviously, look, we're in the winter months and stuff. Hopefully, going into the springtime now, we're going to kick back, spring back into action. Um, and get out there campaigning for cannabis legalization uh, right across uh, the the world, not just here in Ireland. Like uh, we're we're not going to forget about the rest of the world as we campaign. Um, but <clears throat> in saying the rest of the world, what what's going on over in the UK? Because um, man, it, it breaks my heart. As like uh, as you were mentioning, uh, but before we got started on this, uh, I kind of took a bit of a break. And just before I took my break, um, Gary Hughes got locked up over in the UK, and. I remember uh, that there was a protest and I really wanted to get over there myself, but just because of personal stuff that was ongoing here, I wasn't even able to make it over, but I really wanted to get over there and show my support from at that time. But what, what's going on in the UK in terms of uh, the campaigning and the activism? Because there, there used to be like the, the UK kind of a social clubs. Uh, there, there used to be, uh, I, I know the United Patients Act, uh, the Alliance were quite active, but before the United Patients Alliance, you, you had other groups that were active there as well. But it seems like they, they, they've died off. Is it like that? They, they, was it that medical cannabis, private prescriptions, was enough of a victory for some people that it just, and it's just after taking the steam out of the, the, the boat and we're, we're just fucking adrift now? Um, at least that's what it looks like for me looking over man that it yeah. just seems like that the, the the activist side of things is outside of you know say the, a cup the podcast kind of online that 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 level of activism where people are just kind of talking about things and challenging stuff there in that regard but actually getting out there and protesting like i know there's the one every year that the hyde park thing like um, that kind I mean, of that, that's much more of an organic gathering than anything else. These it days. isn't, it? yeah. <laughs> but you, you like some product artists after starting up, you you've Boro Fest, you've mm. all these different festivals going on. Like, but again, a lot of them are for profit. Like, Bor uh, product art just moved from 
where it was originally housed. Warwickshire to London. London, yeah. And like a lot of people are very unhappy about that. There's a lot of people kind of saying, shit, they're turning their backs a bit on, on stuff. I heard kind of talk. But what, what really pissed me off with all of this stuff is that while all of this was going on, all of this, these communities or these festivals being set up, these people go into prison and there's nobody campaigning to free them. There's nobody putting money back into activist groups because I believe looking at it from here that there there is none. Like yeah, we had he, he had the outlaw that was there. Yeah, I know you interviewed him there at that time. Um but he's even after disappearing. I'm I'm worried, what what's the story with him? Is he after getting arrested? Is he locked up or is he getting personal time off like yeah. I'm to... <laughs> there's a, a lot to answer there, but I think I can probably answer it. No, 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 it's 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 good. It's um UKCSC still exists. Um, it does, yeah. Greg had uh, an, an, an issue. Uh, he was, uh, was raided or, or, or arrested. Um, Alan's still operating. He's he's operating the uh, vaporization land in Northern Ireland. Um, but no, but yeah, there was another guy, Aaron Harper, wasn't it? Was he with the UKCSC as well, or they're mixing him up with somebody else? Uh, no, Simon Harper. Was it Simon? Oh. Sorry, I think it was this Simon. Ah. Stuart. <laughs> uh Stuart, Stuart, sorry, it was Stuart Harper. Yeah. Uh, was yeah, yeah, they he was did all the polit- politics stuff uh, with Greg uh <clears throat> side side of it. Yeah. There was a lot of momentum. Uh campaign was going really well with that. Um obviously I w- w- ran Durham City Cannabis Club at that sort of time. Um there was then sort of I mean, prior to me coming into that sort of space, the UP and the UK CSC were kinda the same sort of thing and then there was this split off of medical went one way rec went another and it kind of broke the campaign and that meant yeah. that come 2017 2018 the again i allegedly from my belief big money came in from pharmaceutical lobby uh and from other vested interests and entities and artificially inflated and moved forward um the whole medical cannabis private prescription narrative by suppressing us lot and we were told you know to go and support them and we did outside of parliament and we protested for them and we shared it all across our media and we helped you know we went on the radios and tv shows and we all backed it and they basically you know captured us and said everybody's a medical user and this is they're they're fighting for us everybody supports the legalization of us and then they told us they were going to go do one thing and they went and fucked off and did the complete opposite. You know, they told us self-right, self-identify, grow your own associations and clubs and we'd all be allowed to be free in the vision. And they went off and they made these fucking deals. And there was some internal beef. I mean, me and Greg, we, we've had a conversation quite recently, relatively, um, and I do hope to have more in the future to keep clear in the air. We, we butted heads over various issues. There was kind of problems or perceived problems uh, and internal kind of politics between uh, the, the various ent- uh, individuals inside the UK CSC. And mm-hmm. this then meant that some people went off and um, kind of became very protective of their brand and their identity versus kind of the campaign. And so that became about money that then lost this thing that then became, there was a thing, the fuck Greg, fuck Greg campaign, which was all just online bullying and bullshit. And it just, it felt like the. I mean, there were, and it, I'm not sure how much I can reveal of that, but there, there were 
some activists literally setting up conferences and paying for other activists to be then shown propaganda and videos and content that was produced to insinuate and to prove air quotes prove so meaning that i'm not saying prove but i alleged that these people were involved in getting paid for by companies like tilray and lobbying groups that they were connected to certain political advisors that I'm not going to name to protect my own fucking skin or certain politicians that likewise I'm not going to name to protect my own skin. And it just got so dirty, so fast, so much money, so much lies, so much corruption. And once the the, the prescription system passed, it's fallen apart. Yeah. So now any progress that's being made is only for the prescription system. So they're trying to create kind of a social clubs for prescription patients. They're trying to ensure that patients are protected when driving, that patients can vape wherever they want, that patients can travel, the patient, so patients get everything and all the comfort and all the accessories and all the luxuries. Whereas if you don't get the piece of paper to protect you, you're fucked. And then you've got like entities like Cancard and others, and there's just so many, and this is not to be throw shade on any entity or any individual. I try and be amicable with everybody. I talk to everyone that I can, and everybody gets the same earful off me, regardless of who you are, whether it's on this platform or it's yeah. private. You can make money and you can build your industry and your brands and you do all this other shit. But first and foremost, liberate us all. Yes. I'm yes. sat here and refusing to do other things because the, exactly the point is to connect and do whatever is possible to limit the harm that is caused to us. I do not need to care about you, to know your politics, to like you even, to want to fucking fight for you, to want to risk my neck for you, because today it's you, tomorrow it'll be me, or it could be me, do you know what I mean? And this is what we need to recognize is we have to free ourselves. It can't just be, I've got the pot and the piece of paper, I'm safe. Because I've got the pot and the piece of paper, and guess what? I'm I'm not any fucking safer. My driving license is very safe, but the rest of my life, no. Because the cops still don't fucking know shit. Even with the driving license, I'm still gonna have to go to court and go, uh, Your Honor, here's the law. Fucking yeah. come on, yeah. I shouldn't be in this position. Now give me compensation. Yeah. Like they they don't know jack shit. And outlaw, I can kind of. Eh. It is my speculation. There you go. There's an interesting way of phrasing this. It is my speculation, not contention. My speculation, um, given, and this is something that was in the public uh, uh, sphere um, initially. I don't know if it's on his current Instagram page. It wasn't the original Outlaw page. He posted something on a story sharing a raid in Manchester for, I think, 500 plus plants. And he, there was a caption basically that insinuated that potentially, allegedly, he might be connected to it. And I think the man behind the mask is currently dealing with the situation or might even be incarcerated currently. Yeah, that's that was what I was thinking. And uh, what I was thinking that is, uh, it's not my like, I'm, I'm, I'm not, uh, what, what, what was that word you used again? Sorry. Which word? Yeah. I just used lots of them. <laughs> insinuated is not insinuated. It's conjecture. Oh, or my... Um, theory. That, that, like oh, God damn it. My, I, know, I, said, I said it's not conjecture. My No, uh, not my... For theory, yeah. You, you do theory on it, basically. You, you, you're yeah. using the word for theory. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a theory. I, I actually messaged Outlaw a couple of... Uh, about two years ago, I think it was now, or something. And it's kind of when... There was a bit of stuff going back and forth, I think, online. And whatever and I was like hey look I'm, I'm going to be coming over to Manchester there some stage uh, whatever I was kind of 
was like, we'd love to meet up with Jim or whatever. Um, and uh, I got nothing back off him for ages and I sent another message kind of was saying, hey, what's going on, man? I hadn't heard, uh, hadn't seen anything up in line from you from in ages. What, what's going on? Um, and I actually got a message back from him over on Twitter and he was saying that, uh, yeah, one of his grows actually got raided. Um, so he's saying that uh, he was dealing with that then, that uh, he, he had like some cafe or something like that that was operating down there in Manchester as well. Um, and that he was having some legal issues at the time. Um, so yeah, that that's that was pretty much my theory then is that where he is right now is potentially fucking locked up because of maybe, as you mentioned there, that, that raid then that he linked up on his thing. I, I didn't know that he linked that up on uh, online, but he, he did share a message with me there over uh, on X, fucking going back, as I said, over a year ago now, that was when I, when I last heard from him. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I, I hope fucking the dude's not locked up. I, I hope he's out there and he's fighting this and that he wins and he get back on there and just take that mask off and just fucking... Like, so. like, likewise. That, that, that's the thing, man. And, uh, have you got to meet the guy behind the mask, or have you only known him? But I've, I've seen his face for like two to three seconds. Like he pulled it up to make a point one time when we were talking. Okay, um, but, 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 but um, no, uh-huh. and that was literally like we had to make sure that nothing was recording and kind of double checks. And I've heard his voice for maybe 20, 30 seconds again, where he's dropped like the modulator. But with the episode that we recorded. Fuck me, we did nearly four and a half, five hours worth of footage, yeah. and I literally had to, his legal team had to review it, and there was a guy sat in it, can't do that, can't say that. Like, after we'd recorded something, oh. we had to cut this shit out of these things, and it was just like, oh, yeah. it was a, a, a full thing, but again, I can... How do you I, mean? I, 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 he had a guy there with you? No, not with it. Like, he was in studio, and he had a guy in studio with him, so yeah. then he would look off and kind of like, and you, they'd kind of work out and the key, you could mute it and they'd have a conversation and he'd answer a question. And then when I'd sent them the edit that I'd put up as the the the, the episode, like they then reviewed yeah. it and wanted to fully go over it. Um, and they'd send you back places to edit and stuff. Yeah. Take the, it can't have that well, being said. Well, a lot of it was always, it was never about revealing kind of his identity or whatever. It was, it was always about criminal conspiracy because we yeah. spoke about we gave information that if so chosen by the listener and used in a certain way, they could potentially defend themselves in court. Uh, so but it could be but, as legal, given a legal advice, but you're, you don't have a license to give legal advice. Exactly. So it's about trying to defend ourselves. And they could come after you and say, you gave me legal advice. I got in trouble over your legal advice. And now... Exactly. So we had to build the conversation in a certain way and basically... Without me, because I, I don't do that YouTube or any other platform that's listening, uh, give people means by which they can break the law. But in that episode, we spoke in ways that meant if you understood the esoteric nature of how we were talking, you would learn a lot from it. And his yeah. legal people actually taught me quite a bit about like character, character, can't even say it, character defense. And so, like, I'm not going to reveal so kind of too much of that, but like how. A persona cannot be done. The individual must, and the individual can be playing a persona, but if you can't link the persona to the individual, where is the criminal responsibility? Do, do you know what I mean? Oh, uh, yeah, I'm saying that, and I'm, and I'm ambiguous enough terms that, again, if esoteric knowledge, if you know what I'm saying, you know what I'm saying. If you don't, I'm not going to say it, because, well, yeah. Yeah, I get what you're yeah. saying. Yeah, and so it's it's just one of the, those kind of things. But I was just looking there. Last time I heard from him was July last year. Uh, we exchanged a, a brief message of just like hope you hope you are right, hope you're all right. Um 
but he's definitely someone I'd like to get back on again. I'd like to again catch up with because at one point I was same. I think I was due. We were due to go out for a dinner in Manchester, and I think he ended up having to cancel like two or three days before, and then didn't hear from him for quite a, a good chunk of time. But it's just it's it's one of those things. It's the risk of twenty fifth of August two thousand and twenty two was when I last heard from him. Said sorry, bro. Just dealing with some madness. Please trying to shut down my UK shop, coffee shop, and taking it all the way. Fuck it though. Just had to work quietly for a bit. That was twenty twenty two, August twenty twenty two. So when did you said it was July last year, you chatted. July twenty three. Twenty three. Sweet. So at least he's been safe since then, anyway. <laughs> mm-hmm. so, so yeah, it's 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 one of those things, and I think in a way. You know me, I'm a little bit cynical and quite often, I don't want to say paranoid, but I think about things quite in depth and I oscillate between Outlaw being a very sincere and genuine kind of, oh, I'm going to do all this and I've got a bit of money and influence, so this is how I'll do it. And him kind of, I don't want to say being a plant, and again, Hmm. this is an accusation, I'm just thinking out loud kind of thing, pardon, but he took a lot of the wind out of the sails of a lot of other movement. Yes, and a lot of people kind of went, "Oh, Outlaw's got it! Look at all the success! Look, he's built a thing with nearly hundred thousand in like two months. Oh, he's he's doing these packs. He's driving around this van. He's got he's in this media outlet. He's in this media outlet. He's in and well, covering him like you know all of this, yeah, yeah. And it's yeah, it's you can understand why because of the way it's presented. But then also there's a twinge of me, the same twinge that all my life it's the Neo in the Matrix when Morpheus and Neo sat and they're describing like, the thing that it's always something that you can't taste, you can't smell. It's this that was really alluded to earlier, the lie, the the, the thing that we know is wrong. It's 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 manifest in this, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Fucking <laughs> it is all good fun. It is all good fun. But I guess in, in time I hope to, you know, quash that kind of curiosity and, you know, answer that question. And like you say, it would be nice if the world changes in such a way that you can go, ta-da, and come out in like five years, ten years, whatever, and then not be a worry, because that, that's what it should be, regardless of whether, it, unless it is truly a plant and everything was fake and made up, there were people that he helped. Do you know what I mean? There were people that he he, he stepped out to, to, to support. Mm-hmm. And... Anyone that does that in any which way, I've kind of got to, you know, doth my cap a little toward because you're putting your head above the parapet in a way. You know, it's especially a few years ago, it's got a bit more cool these days to be out and proud about being cannabis. But, you know, a few years ago, fucking hell, it was still some scary days, you know, depending on where you'd go, still where you travel in both of our countries, the spots where you can get fucked up and they'll see a a leaf on you and a cop would be like, I'm going to have him. I'll make up whatever lie I want to have him for daring to show the iconography of something I hate. Do you still have drug dogs at your train stations where you're walking through that fucking turnstile and they'll be just there with the drug dogs? Like London. Shit goes on in in London, is it? Yeah. Yeah, and I think they often they'll say, oh, no, 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 these drugs for expl- dogs for explosives or whatever else, but it doesn't matter. If you've got drugs on you and you see dogs, yeah. you're going to shit yourself. Yes, 100%. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's loads of research that came out of Australia quite recently that basically just shows they're ineffect- completely yeah, ineffective. Yeah. And actually, when you look at stories where... Oh, I'm trying to read. It's a red-top press. It might have been a story in the sun of all fucking things. Uh, some lass who, in a queue, she had an overdose because she saw there was a dog a, a dog on the door and in the queue decided to take all her stash and she yep. overdosed in the queue. 
Yeah, we, we done uh, harm reduction at uh, Creamfields, Boomtown, and a couple of others. I volunteered with uh, uh, Chill Welfare Harm Reduction Crew um, and uh, DAP in the Creamfields. You bitch, I have a video of it actually on my phone. It was funny. It was like people running the gauntlet. There was this big wide gap between the ticket booth and the search area. And basically they would allow people to walk across in, in very small numbers. And the drug dogs then were there. They had about like, they had like a crew of dogs and they were rotating the dogs out because the dogs need breaks and shit like that. Like. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, there was a girl there, um, seen the drug dogs, took all her uh, ecstasy pills in the line um, and fucking, yeah, she uh, ended up fucking overdosing, uh, hadn't uh, spent um, the whole uh, weekend, I think, in the hospital, actually. Um, it wasn't good at all. Um, but yeah, yeah, I had videos there of people running, running a gauntlet. It was scary enough. Like, that was a Creamfields 2016, 17. And I'm sorry, but who is not who isn't going to take MDMA or ecstasy at Creamfields? Yeah. What's, what's the point of going to Creamfields to not? But I've just realised something that's mental there. How fucked up is the law? I can't believe I've never thought of this. Stood in the queue, I've got five pills in my hand. Oh my god, that's five pills. That's more than one dose. Therefore, you're a dealer, and we're gonna. Uh, uh. I take them. I'm not in possession. I'm under the fucking influence. Heard from him. I might as well take them. Person no, doesn't you, really no, understand then, doses and overdose. No, but I know <laughs> that that is literally the embodiment of the law makes it more dangerous. Yeah. If it wasn't a, a criminal offence for you to have them in your hand, you wouldn't have then fucking taken them all. The yeah. reason you're taking them all is to not get caught with them. But the reason you're not getting caught with them is because once they're in your body, it's not illegal to be on drugs. You can't get arrested for being high on anything. They have to then go, oh, antisocial behavior or making being a nuisance or aggravated X, Y, Z. There's a myriad of, dr- of laws that they can pull to, but they can't say he's off his tits on acid. They can actually then trick the situation and go, ooh, psychosis and get you fucking locked up and whatever. And they can do some really fucked up shit, but they can't directly criminalize you for being on the substance. So that is that's an encouragement of the system for you to dangerously take drugs. Yeah. Rather than be responsible. So again, it's just it's like them going, Oh, so you, you self-harmed here. Oh, here's a knife. <laughs> it's it's just fucking with it's do you know what I mean? It's I it ugh. I've never thought about it like that. It's just kind of it, it's d- disgusted me all over again. That the, 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 that's the way that they're looking at it. If they're gonna do it, I want them to risk killing themselves and causing serious fucking harm. What's even more fucked up with those drug dogs? And I know it's at the same Australian study that you're referring to. There is that the the dogs are actually really good at reading the body language of their uh, handler. So if your handler actually has a distaste for say a certain ethnicity. Uh, then that dog is most likely to actually mark that uh, ethnicity or that race or that gender or that yeah. or whatever, whatever. If you're a handler of the dog, your body indicates, body language indicates that dog, okay, I want to search that person. That dog's going to go woof woof. <laughs> and he's going to sit down yeah. and, and be a good boy because he's going to do what his handler wants him to do. And he's going to, you know what I mean? Um, his, his shortcut is to the dopamine of the reward of getting the ball. Everything you know, else is irrelevant. So then, yeah, he starts to predict, as you yeah. say. So it's then he'll just go towards every black man after a while. Yeah. The dog won't know it's every black man, but it's recognizing a series of categories. And yeah, or it could be, it could be a case it. of a black cop and he's triggering them towards white kids. Do you know what I mean? Could like say, even like, like, I mean, it, it can be anything at all. Whatever that, mm-hmm. that handler's uh, distal tin is towards, 
that's who's going for. It could be fucking white kids, crusty fucking dreadlocks, you know. And boom, there you go. That's that's the guy I'm going to stop and search and hat every time. And meanwhile, it's it's the the kid with the suit and the, the, the suitcase walking past. You know, he's carrying a drugs dreadlock dude because these people are wise uh, to this kind of stuff. But yeah, not long and short with this. I mean, it's it's just not effective, man. And, and hopefully, it all changes very soon. But um, I'm I'm gonna have to start loving you and leaving you. I just spotted the time and uh, Daddy's taxi, as as I've got four lovely kids and one of them is uh, is sixteen, going on seventeen this year now actually, and wow. she's she's at work at the moment and will need to be collected. <laughs> okay, no worries, brother, no worries. Um, I think we did a pretty good job for us both being two cannabis podcasters. We kept it on subject a bit. I've actually made some some notes here for some clips and shorts uh, to inform the public. So maybe for the people that don't want to sit through two hours of us. Uh, you steal that leap out of your book there because uh, that's something I don't do. I normally just chat away with people, record, hit that button and like, yeah, I'll make clips later on. And then I'm just like... It's the first time I've done it literally. <laughs> and it's only because I've been making clips the past few days. And I'm like, I will make this easier. <laughs> Uh, yeah, man, let's... Uh... One of any other questions that uh, you wanted to get at there before or, or anything, or have we covered everything you kind of wanted to uh, touch off of there? You know me, I could have, I've always got questions. Yeah. Um, but you know me, man, I'm, I'm always open to, to coming back on, or, or likewise, I'll get back into having some uh, guests back on, and I would be more than happy to to have yourself over for an evening and uh, tea and chats. And man, if you're ever coming to Cork, but uh, you're, you're more than welcome uh, to come around to visit. We could do an in-person interview too, because uh, I'm, 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 yeah, my, my, my casa, two casa. <laughs> nice. We, uh, yeah, I've been looking to make excuses to to travel with the missus. So Ireland has been on our list. So I'll yeah, consider that, brother. I'll consider that, man. Yeah. That's lush. Thank you. Station there Nice. Uh, well, yeah. Let's uh, let's let's just do that. We'll uh, look to. I'll jump on your platform uh, at some point before too long, and let's get you on in the next sort of month or so uh, after the dial. Yeah, the dial. Yeah, definitely. Dial. <laughs> I'm getting closer. I feel. Uh, but yeah, once admit we've had the second vote and what I've asked a bit further forward. Um, actually, we could maybe wait till post Spanabis. And yourself will my yeah, fingers across, my fingers are crossed for you, uh, and the hope that obviously everything goes well with your court case. Yeah. Uh, so you can maybe give us an update on that and an update where we are with the People's Assembly, um, and we can yeah finish some more of these questions, brother. So yeah, yeah appreciate you taking yeah. the time, man. You were saying that Gary Utes is going to be out soon, so uh... my belief from the conversations I've had with him that yeah, the next few weeks, which means hopefully he'll be on the podcast before too. I have no means of contacting him, but if you have a point of contact anywhere, tell him I've been asking for him. Uh, I've been shouting his name. I've been making sure uh, he's been uh, mentioned anytime I get an opportunity when I'm on online. Um, because yeah, man, that that guy's a legend, and I can't believe that there's not people over there just fucking screaming for him to be freed the whole time but yeah, <laughs> yeah I managed to get I don't know asking from. <laughs> yeah I will do I just made a note of it I mean I've written four articles that I've got published for it and yeah. mentioned it most most podcasts and whatever, but there's like you said without a lack of sort of meaningful direction in the physical meat space as it were to use a, a term from the youth it, it, it's difficult you know and again to not but to borrow an older phrase, I guess, keep many hearts and minds. And that's that's where it's been. You know, I've been lucky enough. I've seen him, I think, three times since he's been in. And he's been in a much better situation since he transferred. Um, and, yeah, looking forward to, to catching up with him. And, uh, yeah, I'll send on your best regards, brother. So, but, yeah, thank you for again for taking the time. I will – actually, no, I'm going to ask him a last cliched question, if that's cool. 
Yeah. Uh, what does the future hold for you? Me, hopefully, um, freedom. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking towards the, the future uh, as we're looking towards um, cannabis hopefully being decriminalized and legalized there. I definitely would uh, see myself hopefully someday being uh, a grower of some sort, maybe. Um, that's where I would love to be or, or to be working more uh, directly then with patients and uh, finding the right strain, uh, the right chemo, there, chemo uh, profile of cannabis for, for them. Um, so that there are two places I would be uh, ambitious and, uh, and and motivated to to be seeing myself in someday. But most importantly, as I say, free. <laughs> uh, along with all of uh, every other cannabis uh, consumer out there, we we all deserve uh, to be free. Yeah, man. To uh, borrow a phrase from uh, Martin Luther King: "Free at last, free at last, free at last." I do hope we have a moment and a time in our lifetimes to say that. So it starts with yeah, people like yourself doing what they can in the courtrooms where they are, and so, yeah, I wish you the best of luck, brother. And people, <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, all respect and all power to you, and honestly, best of luck. And yeah, hopefully, when we next speak publicly again on this platform it is because you've had a good success island is continuing to progress and um yeah things are moving toward that that dream and that vision for you oh, fingers crossed thanks again superman appreciate the uh the invite man likewise appreciate way appreciate you taking the time and, and did you jumping on so yeah thanks brother i'll let you uh jump off and again sort, sort the kids and dad taxis and i will sit here for half an hour and try and get two minutes worth of an ending <laughs> <laughs> smoke the rest of that dude what, what are you smoking actually jeez i should ask you this all along. uh this one or these ones will have been the zsb uh skittles crushed strawberry banana and that's uh, prescribed over from the clinic, or is that... I'm not allowed to smoke my prescribed cannabis. So no, that's some homegrown cannabis. So fuck that system. <laughs> the, pot, the pot is what helps me. They're flowers. Yeah. Meh, mids. Yeah, yeah, sweet. Thanks <laughs> so, nice again, man. Good night and God bless. All right. Peace and love, brother. I'll speak to you soon, man. All the best. Well, there you go, folks. That was Martin Condon from Martin's World. I uh, do hope you enjoyed that. You learned a bit more uh, about Martin's background. I think I actually learned a bit more there than I learned in previous episodes or even what I've learned from private conversations. So it was quite a nice, uh, raw and authentic, to, to borrow a phrase, conversation. Uh, it was great to get a bit more sort of insight into you know, how Martin got involved into the scene and how he became a campaigner and how actually he's kind of, I can see his affinity and draw towards Gary because much in the same way, he has been continued on a path that was set in motion, you know, nearly two decades ago now. Um, and yeah, all respect and power to him for fighting the good fight, for, you know, speaking up in the Dal. No, I'm getting closer. I'm getting closer to the the enunciation. I do apologize to any of my native Irish listeners um, for my butchering of pronunciations. I'm attempting to learn, uh, but I am evidently a, a slow learner, it would seem, when it comes to uh, different languages uh, and cultures, which, uh, yeah, makes me look a lot more ignorant than I, I'd like to think that I am, at least. Anyway, um, yeah, thanks to everyone for watching that, for spending the time. Uh, greatly appreciated, as always. Like I said, we'll get Martin back on in the not too distant future, probably at this point, like I was saying, uh, post-Spanabis or around Spanabis sort of time. Uh, give Martin a chance to defend himself and his good name in court and hopefully be able to, um, yeah, as he says, finally get some justice for himself for a campaign that I would say was 
you know, at least partially responsible for sort of movements of progression in Ireland. He was he was part of a movement of activists that created a real groundswell within the media and got motion and movement forward with, you know, private prescriptions and so-called, you know, air quotes, medical cannabis. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, it's not fair to then to punish this individual while at the same time they're seeking his expertise in the Dal, getting closer. <laughs> um to to speak on the subject you know he's, he's he's educated and has a background in this he has a vision and a passion and yet his future is limited because of the perceptions of people that have spent decades vilifying and criminalizing him and lessening his potential which is uh you know something we see week in week out unfortunately on this platform um but yeah, that's why we speak. That's why we gather. That's why we fight. That's why we do what we can do is to you know find the other, spread some love, to have some conversations, find a bit more education, information, and means to you know build that better future together. Because uh, I believe that better world is out there, folks. We just like Michelangelo, we have to break it free from the marble in which it's encased. We do not carve it. We liberate it. So yeah, there you go, folks. Um, if you enjoyed this, please do give us a like, a share, a subscribe, a rating, whatever it is you do on your various platforms, what you enjoy podcasts on, to show your appreciation and love. It is greatly appreciated, and I love you for it. So thank you, guys. Do check us out on all social media platforms at The Simple Life. Uh, check out thesimplelife.com for exclusive articles, blogs, and more info. Uh, if you really enjoyed this, check us out on patreon.com forward slash The Simple Life, where for less than a cup of coffee a month, you can help me keep the lights on on this little project of mine. All right, uh, check out the shorts and clips, all these new beautiful things I'm trying to push out in different platforms and different places. Uh, as I say, any interactions are greatly appreciated with the shadow bands that I naturally occur for the, the language that we use. I think we probably went through George Carlin's 10 words and more in this podcast. Uh, yeah, so any love and support is greatly appreciated. Thanks, guys. All right, we'll be back next week with somebody. I don't know, it'll be awesome. You'll love it, I'll love it. All right, peace and love, folks. Well, there you go, folks. That was Martin Condon from Martin. Did I, did I just say condom? I'm pretty sure I didn't, but now I've questioned it. Oh fuck knows. This is this is this is an outtake. See you next week, folks. <laughs>